It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. Tonight, we have a good friend of the show uh, and a truly nice guy. He's coming back, Justin Julander from Australian Addiction Reptiles. Um, who surprisingly on this day, um, the complete uh, children's python came out uh, four oh. years ago. Four years Holy ago. crap. Can you believe that's been four years? Holy shit. No, I'm – God, we're old. I'm yeah. And end myself now, if you'll excuse me. <laughs> I, re- I, re- I remember when they were putting that book together and Justin was you- at Tin- Tinley and me yeah. and him – and Luke Snell were sitting in the lobby to the uh, uh, to the um, hotel, uh, getting ready for the show. And he was working on the book and uh, showing us some pictures and stuff. And it was pretty cool to get a little tiny, tiny preview. But uh, you know, uh, Justin, he's a he's a super smart guy. Uh, he keeps mm-hmm. a very a wide collection, or I should say, varied collection of Australian reptiles. That's yep. annoying the hell out of me, man. <laughs> what the hell is it? Oh, the, the echo the is echo. killing you, isn't it? Yeah, killing I you. can't. I well, hear myself coming back. I hope the people I don't, know don't what, hear it. Now, who knows? I don't know what to do. So We'll give a shout out to the chat and see if they hear it. But anyway, um, uh, last week, we had the Chondro Roundtable, and it was the most listened to and downloaded show ever in NPR history. Ready? 375,000 downloads in one week. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> Owen, you're not supposed to tell them not I to I mean, listen. good job, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah that is um that's awesome though that's a lot of people yes that's yeah. i mean it wasn't isn't there a, a point where didn't the retic wasn't there a retic show uh uh that we put on a few episodes ago i think last year didn't that kind of jump and kind of beat yeah. all the shows and that was the reigning champion and now this one apparently just blew it the hell out of the water so yeah. So I guess thinking outside wow. the box is good, man. I don't, I don't know. I guess. I mean, I don't know what you people, I don't know what you people want. It's like you want retics, you want chondros. I mean, Christ. Uh, I think we're just going to keep bouncing around just to keep, no one knows what's going to happen. I don't even know what's going to happen. So, um, but that's very cool. And uh, it's it, back to what you're talking about, how like it's been four years since the children's the complete children's Python book came out. I don't know yeah. why, but I was thinking about that today is what is it going to be like when like, we're the old farts that are running around the reptile industry 
and like it, it, it's like because I've been breeding for about ten years. Like, what happens when I've been breeding for like twenty or thirty? Like, what the hell is the reptile industry going to look like at that point? And I'm like, oh, oh, I don't even want to think about it. So, it's, yeah, now it's like four years since the Children's Python book. It's like, oh shit. So, how long has it been since the Complete Carpet Python came out? Oh man, that was 2012, right? I think 2012 that came. I out? think so. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So. We're in 2017. Yeah, five years. <laughs> I know. Oh boy, it's uh, yep. it's a crazy thing. But uh, you know, I'm sure. Um, uh, you know, if I'm sure that most of our listeners have both of those books in their herp library. But if not, you should definitely pick up a copy, uh, especially if you're interested in. Even if you're just interested in Australian pythons, there's tons of yeah. information in those. Um, so, and, uh, you know, Justin, he breeds Antheresia like it's nothing. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, uh, um, tonight we're going to talk about, um, Justin's trip to Australia, uh, some of the stuff that he saw and did and, uh, you know, uh, some of the shenanigans, I guess that maybe he got into, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's always shenanigans, right? There's and, always uh, shenanigans in Australia. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then we're going to talk about uh, Blackheads. Uh, Justin, I believe it was last year. Maybe, yeah, it was last year or maybe it was this year. I'm not 100%, but uh, he bred uh, Blackheads. They're beautiful, too. He's got those really, really nice contrasts. I believe they're Western, yeah. but we'll, we'll get them on. We'll talk to them about it. Um, I'm, I'm, on his, I'm on his website now. I believe they're Westerns as well, but they are sick looking. Yeah. I mean, God. And uh, we're going to talk some Walma pythons. Um, You know, I'm curious to – I know, Owen, you're having a a time with those. And uh, I'm I'm curious what his secret is. And uh, I know a lot of – I got a lot of questions about the eggs. Mm. uh, And uh, they're a little – I guess a little more sensitive than, say, carpet python eggs or something like that. But – Really? Yeah. 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 I know a lot of guys like they <laughs> they contact me I guess cuz I do you know do the show or whatever but, you don't, but I've, you don't even I've have never bred walmas. No, <laughs> I do. Never bred I've, I've never bred them, but I have a pair. You have the pair. One? What's yeah. wrong with you? When you start pairing animals, goddamn it. Ah. Uh, well, I need the right <laughs> one, you know. I'm hoping Justin oh. makes them here. Oh. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe I can snatch one out of his hands, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, right. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe we'll hit on some Python talk. Um, I know how much Another you love those. I'm having Owen. a problem with. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm curious to hear maybe Justin's thoughts on, uh, some of the topics we talked about last, you know, uh, that would be like, uh, uh, this varied diet and, uh, you know, what's his thoughts on our, uh, as far as, uh, if, if he's done it or seen any value in it, especially with breeding those anteresia, man. Woo. Well, <laughs> those babies. Breeding, especially breeding blackheads. I mean, the first time we ever started talking about very diets when we had Derek on here talking about his blackheads. And he was like, oh, I feed them fish. And you're like, uh, what? So, I mean, like, you know, there's – he might be doing that with them too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, his brain a little bit. Two things before we get Justin on here and get going, but uh, one, one I would is uh, we're we're pretty much 
a week and a half away from the Southern Carpet Fest. Uh, oh my God! <laughs> next week, April uh, 29th. Yes, April 29th on Saturday. Did we it's in our, did we did we book our planes through United? I'm just wondering because I mean. You no. might not make it. Okay, good. <laughs> no, we're flying that uh, whatever that spirit. Even hate. better, <laughs> spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crap. <laughs> don't count. Right. Don't count us in until we make it there. You know. What I yeah, mean? <laughs> we might not. Yeah, don't don't include us until we're on the ground in in Texas. You know, we yeah. might not make it. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have that. So if you guys uh, are, are looking for info on that, get in touch with Bill Siegel or uh, Evan Browder. Uh, both of those guys can give you more information. Uh, it's a hell of a time. Uh, so if you're in the area, uh, make sure you come down. For everybody that is going, can't wait to uh, meet uh, some new people and uh, hang out with some uh, old friends. But Definitely. Owen, you got some uh, you got some news that's happening in the backwoods, uh, our our neck of the area. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, we got another action alert that kind of popped up in my uh, uh, email today, and this one is actually for all us PA uh, breeders and keepers. So this one is now in our neck of the woods. Uh, it is in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, and for those of you who are unaware of where Waynesboro, PA is, don't worry, you're not alone. We had to figure it out too. Um, it is actually a small town that is near the Pennsylvania, Maryland border beyond Lancaster. So it's actually about, uh, we said close to two hours away from me or to the West of me, um, which means about like, uh, probably about three hours and change outside of Philadelphia to the West, a little bit more towards Harrisburg, Pittsburgh. They have a, uh, proposal um, that they've put uh, forward, which is a ban on restricting snakes and much, much more. I'm going to read you guys exactly what uh, USARC sent to us. Um, it is apparently the lack of research is astounding, and this proposal amends uh, the zoning ordinance in Waynesboro, PA, um, buried amongst a huge list of amendments in the 190-page document is a ban on the possession of more than four animals of any combination of species, except for fish, in any household. So if you got three cats and a dog, you are not allowed to have any other animal. So, And, of course, this all includes snakes as well. Um, There's also a blanket ban on any exotic animals, with the vague definition, which specifically includes python. So rather than trying to go through and ban individual species of pythons, they just said uh, exotic, exotic animal and one is python. Um, the proposal is on USARC's uh, website as well as four ways to contact the officials. And, and those guys clearly are paying attention because there was a comment phase on their, a comment portion on their website where you can comment on things that are going to be brought up before the committee soon or the borough council soon. And they've since turned that off because apparently people were kind of overflowing the website. And so, but there are different ways you can do it. Of course, the usual letters that you can send for an email and all that fun stuff. Um, What I would say is once again, this is kind of echoing what's going on in uh, Maryland. If, 
you think this isn't your problem because you don't live in Pennsylvania, you're completely incorrect. Uh, it's only going to be, it, it's the death by a thousand cuts. If certain boroughs and certain places are allowed to kind of throw the weight around and start banning things just because they say so, it's only a matter of time before they get to you. And it's only a matter of time before a borough where something important to us is being held. Because I imagine if this were the same borough that the Hamburg Reptile Show was being kept, was being housed, uh, that could kind of throw a wrench in that, and we would have to we'd lose one of the largest shows in the state. So, takes five seconds. Click the links. Go ahead. Sign up. Everything you need to. Send the already written letter for those guys to them, and then you're good to go. So, there you go. Awesome. <clears throat> All right. Are you ready to do this? I am totally ready. My soul is prepared. Okay. <laughs> hey, Justin. All right, then. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back. Hey, to Justin. The show. Glad to have you. Oh, good to be back. Uh, glad uh, Owen's soul is, soul is paired. That's, uh, that's always, a good thing. Yeah, always. <laughs> I say random like things that. trip him up. Soul ready. <laughs> I, 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 if I can say something that trips him up every episode, it's a good episode. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right on. Well, uh, yeah, good good to be back. Uh, enjoyed your show last week. I can understand why that was uh, very heavily downloaded. It was a good show, a lot of good topics. So I guess we can talk about that later. But, yeah, yeah. congrats on all your shows, guys. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Thanks. Thanks. for listening to you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, a labor of love for sure. Right, Owen? <laughs> oh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Um, but the, but you, you, well, how was your trip? Oh, Where'd you go? fantastic. I, where, where didn't we go? We went about 5,000 miles up and down the East coast of Australia. So we had, Jeez. we had quite a bit of driving. Admittedly, it was a little over ambitious on my part. Um, so, but yeah, surprisingly <laughs> it was uh, very shenanigan free. So that was a, a nice deal as well, but um, so, so we started out in Sydney just, just because, uh, so let me, let me give a little background to why we went on this trip. So I was, I woke up one morning and I had an email alert for cheap tickets to Australia and they were like $450 round trip tickets. And what? I'm like, this has got to be too good to be true. You know? So I opened the website, you know, click on the link of course, and check it out. And sure enough, you know, there's tickets you can purchase for $450 round trip or somewhere around there. It was really cheap. And so I'm like, holy crap. And I, you know, woke up my wife. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm taking the kids to Australia. You know, I'm, I'm going to take a, a three <laughs> oldest kids and, and go to Australia. And she's like, sure. Sounds good. And so I'm like, okay, I'll ask them when I get home from work, you know, thinking, cause you know, I don't know, planner, you know, that planning side of me, like making sure they want to go, like they wouldn't want to go. But anyway, <laughs> so I get home from work and say, hey, kids, who wants to go to Australia? And my three oldest are like, yeah, let's do it. And so I go back to buy the tickets, and, yeah, they're long gone. <laughs> and ah! the I got to, you know, $1,500 a piece. And I'm like, oh, crap, this is not going to go well. So, <laughs> uh, sorry, kids. Uh, you know, the, so, uh, so they were kind of – they were bummed out. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'll keep my eyes open and find cheap tickets again. You know, hope maybe they'll come around. Because this was like, you know, early 2016, so about a – you know, a long time before I'd thought of, of going. So we, 
I kept my eye out, finally found some that were around 800 a piece, maybe 850 a, a piece. So I jumped on that. And with the caveat, I had to drive to LA. So we, we uh, ended up getting, getting them for 850, which is still not a bad deal. So I went no. with uh, myself and my three oldest kids, one boy and two girls. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking, man, this is, this is going to be uh, a tricky thing, you know, dragging three kids across Australia. And I was wondering how they were going to take it, if they were going to enjoy it. I was thinking, well, I'll plan it more as a touristy thing and go to, to cool, you know, wilderness sites. And then, you know, maybe they'd appreciate the, the landscape of Australia or the, the area a little better. And then I can kind of sneak in some herping here and there, you know, when we're driving at night and things like that. So it wasn't necessarily a, a you know, primarily there for, for just herping, but you know, you can't go to Australia without finding some good herbs. So, um, of course, you know, if you're in Sydney, we, we had to stop by my old buddy's house. We went over and hung out with Peter Birch for a bit and old Birchie and his family are good friends. They've, they've stayed at our house before. And so we were uh, invited to come stay with them for a day or two. So that was really nice to kind of, you know, decompress after that long flight. Uh, I'd, <laughs> I guess there was a shenanigan because on the flight over, I got sick and I never get like air sick. I, I'm pretty good on planes. I'll get a little motion sick. So I like to drive. I don't necessarily like to ride in the back seat or I might get a little motion sick, but I never get air sick. And so I like, I was feeling like, Oh, I need to go to the bathroom. I go in the bathroom. I'm like, no, I need to throw up in this bathroom. So I, <laughs> I uh, release the Kraken, you know? And, and so then I'm thinking, Oh man, I, I'm, I'm sick. I'm, I'm sick. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, there's gotta be some kind of stomach bug. And I was all worried, like I'm going to be laid out and not be able to drive and we're going to be stuck at the airport or something for a couple of weeks. So, uh, luckily, you know, it was kind of a short lived thing. I got a little bit of rest on the plane and then it was good to go as soon as we landed feeling a little, you know, shaky, of course, from that long flight. But so we headed out and luckily I found my way to Pete's house and uh, hung out with him. And I think, I think my, you know, looking back and asking the kids what their favorite, but their favorite part of the whole trip was hanging out with Peter and Joanne and their, you know, family, their son, uh, Talon. And then, um, also hanging out with, uh, Troy Kuligowski and his family. Like there, that was their best, the best part of the trip was just hanging out with those oh, guys. So I could have saved myself, you know, <laughs> a good 5,000 miles, you know, just stay in Peter's house or go couple of weeks but I don't I don't know if he would have appreciated that but my kids sure love those guys so it was a lot of fun that way so we we hung out with them and and as part of that you know Peter always takes us to this little spot kind of uh, around the corner from his place and you know down the road a bit and it was this uh, cemetery and uh, Nick and I went we we hung out with Peter for a few days as well and went over to the cemetery and caught water dragons all day I mean well we didn't necessarily catch them they're really fast but uh, we hmm. we saw a lot of water dragons we caught, uh, Peter picked up a big old lace monitor so we got to what's called a wanker shot when you hold a big you know cool reptile and <laughs> they take your that picture awesome and, yeah the wanker shot so you got to get wanker shots when you go to Australia uh, mm-hmm. even though I think technically it's illegal or something but yeah i don't think i've ever been called on one yet so it's all good so we're we're cruising i wanted to show the kids you know the water dragons and kind of this spot where we go maybe a big monitor lizard would be cool and so we're cruising around and looking along the creek and we see a few water dragons there weren't too many out though which was kind of weird because usually there's you know you know a good dozen of them along the bank and then i'm walking through the cemetery and and i i said it 
is that a diamond python crawling through the cemetery in the middle of the day, you know, with the sun uh, out? I, and, uh, you know, just totally out, out of the blue, unexpected, wouldn't have dreamed of finding it, you know, in that in that situation. But there it was right in front of me, you know. So went over, picked it up, the most gentle snake I've ever handled in the wild. Like, just could be, didn't even hiss, uh, just was, re- you know, just relaxed and the most beautiful snake. Oh my goodness. Now, you know, now they're on my list. I got to get some soon, but anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> once you see these things in the wild, you're like, man, I want to see that every day. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. really cool. So they're, they're re- just such beautiful snakes. I remember you posting up that picture, uh, yeah. uh, when you posted up that, uh, diamond Python and man, you're right. I was like, man, I'm yeah. so jealous. He's down there just, you know, seeing those, Diamond Pythons in a cemetery, and oh man, very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 funny because you know, I've I've been several times now, and I've tried to find diamonds. We've looked pretty intensively on a couple of the trips, like gone out, you know, bushwhacking looking for these diamonds in you know great habitat and and prime locations where they've been seen before, and have just come up short, you know. And this time, I'm thinking, well, you know, what's it's it's hard because I'm only going to be in town for a couple of days. It's kind of early in the season. They're not really moving too much yet. And, you know, then, then you see one, you know, you just can't plan for that stuff. So, <laughs> you know, you just got to, got to put yourself out there and be in the right place at the right time. I guess that's kind of what herping is to some extent, you know? So it was, it was really, really cool to see that snake. And uh, I got to make Peter be my cameraman and video me hmm. holding it and stuff and <laughs> did a little, uh, what cr- cr- uh, critter, what's the colorful critters? No, what's he is, uh, YouTube. Oh, uh, uh, critter uh, camp. Isn't it yeah, critter, critter cam? cam. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. I made him do, be be a be my cameraman. Did a little critter cam type thing, and threw that up on YouTube. So you can see a little uh, footage of the this wild diamond. But that was that. So after that, like the rest of the trip was just gravy. You know what I mean? Like that was one of the things I just still had been hoping to see in the wild, and finally got to find that diamond python. So that was really cool. Um, so one one other trick that you know before we headed out in the bush, we. Uh, Peter, I, I asked Peter about, you know, like maps and stuff like that and how to, and he's like, well, just grab a SIM card. So I get, you know, I, I, I didn't realize this was uh, something you could do. So I, you know, go to the store, the little grocery store and buy a SIM card for two bucks, plop it in the phone and get service. And so now I can use maps and all that kind of stuff. So if you're going over to Australia, it's a handy little tool, just buy a SIM card and plop it in. I, maybe everybody else is more technologically advanced than I am. And that's old news, but I don't know if anybody listening. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'd be stumbling around the too. desert and be like in lost. <laughs> yeah. We never saw Owen again. Is like how that would go. So, yeah, yeah. that's a thing I'm going to log away now. Our our last trip uh, with uh, I went with a couple friends, uh, Steve Sharp and and Mike Fredrickson. We we got over there and and we had maps printed out. You know, paper directions how to get from the airport to to again to Peter's place and and I. I'm uh, getting the getting the maps and we're trying to follow them. And we get lost and we're driving around Sydney, have no clue where we are, or where we're going. We're like, oh wait, there's the Sydney Opera House. You know, look out your window, that kind of thing. You know, we had no clue where we were, and so we had to stop at like a gas station and buy a map. I'm I'm surprised they still sold them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we we located ourselves in Sydney and and uh, 
eventually made our way, but that delayed us a few hours. So this was so much nicer. Just pop in the SIM card and you're ready, you know, you got your data and functionality and maps and stuff. Now it doesn't help when you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's no cell service, but other than that, you know, it worked out great. So that was one of the, one of the cool tricks I learned on this last trip and I'm going to use it next time I go over there as well. But nice. So, so once we, uh, you know, had a couple days, we went to the beach, hung out, you know, with them, uh, with Peter and his family, and then headed up. Uh, we went out towards the Blue Mountains, and I was going to meet up with a couple other friends. Uh, one that I'd never met in person, but he's a good friend on Facebook, and he submitted, you know, contributed a ton of pictures for the books. Uh, Lyle Naylor, I'm sure you'll recognize uh, his name from captions of many of the photos there. He's mm-hmm. He's been a great supporter. He's a just a great guy um, um but he he lived up in Cairns for a number of years up uh, in tropical north area and and has, has since moved down into diamond python territory down in new south wales and so he's now he's regularly tagging me and and uh making me jealous with all the diamond pythons he's found on his new property and stuff so he's a uh, but so me and uh, him and then michael austin another friend from a previous trip uh he lives he used to live in the area where uh Troy Kuligowski lives. So, uh, we got together and did a little herping near, uh, we did, we did one of the hikes along the blue mountains and, um, just kind of walked along, uh, I think it was the grand Canyon hike or something, something like that, you know, just walked and did a hike. And then we, uh, hung out with them for a bit and went to a close by area to look for this rare, I think it was the mustard bellied snake or some, you know, random rare, uh, or, or unique small locality snake. I don't know a lot about the, the lapids, but, um, it was this little thing. So we, he's like, Hey, come check this out. Let's go try to find one of these. They're, they're kind of a, um, you know, a true herper. That's what they go look for in this area. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll pretend I'm a true herper, you know, herper today and go, go look at the guys. But <laughs> It was a little hot and dry, so we didn't find our mustard-bellied snake, and we didn't see much of anything at all except maybe a little water skink or something. So, you know, what do you do? We we gave it a we gave it a good go, and it was fun to catch up with those guys and hang out with them for an afternoon. But uh, then we parted ways, and the great drive was on. <laughs> we drove, I think, six hours that night, and um, wound up at this place called uh, Son Rocks, and it's just kind of a cool little, uh, feature, uh, you know, you do this little, maybe half mile hike to these rocks that are, you know, these big pillars have just kind of sloughed off the side of the mountain. And so it looks like, you know, these giant pillars just going up and down this huge cliff. It's really a cool, cool place. And so we, uh, checked that out, took some pictures and then, uh, got back on the road again, you know, stopped along the way here and there for, maybe a bearded dragon on the side of the road or some other, you know, little gamut to try to get them if we were fast enough and take a few pictures and let the kids hold a, you know, wild bearded dragon. Um, they're pretty easy to catch. Usually they won't get out of your way and you know, they won't get off the road. So you got to stop and get out of the car and move them off the road. So they're not really a challenge to catch, but some of those little fast buggers that are diurnal and sitting in the sun, you know, they, they, uh, run when you're about 30 feet away from them. So <laughs> a little Jesus. harder to catch, but yeah. So I, I guess, you know, compared to, to my other trips where we've gone into, you know, central Australia or Northern territory or, um, you know, up above Cairns into the tropical North or over in Western Australia, those places are a lot less inhabited than 
you know, the East coast of Australia. And that's one thing I didn't really enjoy was just how much, you know, human encroachment and disturbance was in the, in the area. And so, you know, the, the reptiles were fewer and further between. Um, We didn't see a a ton of snakes on this trip, um, you know, aside from the diamond. So it didn't matter what else we saw, but um, we we saw a few off there. It's like, you know, you peaked here and then it was like, I didn't see any of the snakes. Who cares? So yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. So I was okay with that, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I wanted to show the kids like a, you know, a cool uh, lap, but we did see a couple uh, dead on the road, uh, Eastern Browns. And so they got to have a up close and personal look a lot, a lot closer than they would have if it would have been alive. So, you know, they got to see some of these, um, you know, dangerous or potentially dangerous snakes, uh, even though they just run away when you see them. But so Mm -hmm. we, we made our way next up to, uh, the, this place called, uh, Carnarvon Gorge. And it's, uh, just kind of a cool national park with some really neat hikes. And so we thought, you know, that sounds like a cool place to go. And so we're driving and, uh, you know, driving and driving. I think we drove 10 hours to, to get to this place and we're getting there right on dusk. And so I'm thinking, ah, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a little sketchy. And then we lose our, you know, cell service. So we're kind of flying blind a little bit. We still, the map's still working to some extent. So we're driving down this dirt road and, you know, things are getting more and more. Uh, I, I was thinking there might, should have been maybe a paved road but it turned to dirt so i'm like all right i guess it's dirt road and uh we uh start driving all of a sudden we look up in the sky and there's this ginormous flock of fruit bats flying you know flying out for the night and we're like whoa you know all the kids are hanging out the window just looking at all these fruit bats and thinking this is the coolest thing you know and i i don't know if you it's it's quite a sight to see a flock of fruit bats fly they're just these giant you know winged mammals flying overhead so it's it's quite a cool thing to see so that that impressed the kids and you know we we drive you know drove down and we went to where we're supposed to be and we couldn't find this uh, campground we were you know had a reservation at and driving all around and finally you know, we we somehow had missed this turn off, and there was a giant sign saying "Turn this way for the you know Bush Resort or whatever." But um, we we somehow missed that, so we spent a little bit little bit of time driving around in you know in the dark through the forest. But eventually found it and made up camp and you know ate some dinner and that kind of thing. But uh, it, about um, three four in the morning, we just heard the most crazy sounds outside the tent my daughter described it as i think she said it was like a monkey eating a possum you know just like oh. screeching and, and all this noise and we're like what is going on I was like world war three outside the tent so we i i get out of get out of bed and start walking around my daughter's kind of freaked out she's like what is that noise what's going on out there and, and the fruit bats had come back from their night out and we're back in and just flying around all the trees and i guess we we were in their uh, roost area, you know, ca- camping there, or, or they were making a pit stop there to look for more fruit or something. But man, those things are noisy, and <laughs> they're not not fun to sleep around, I guess, because they just they just uh, get you, make you bolt right out of bed uh, with their their squabbling. But that was kind of a fun thing. So you know, my my daughter's like, I wish they would shut up. I'm like, hey, come on, when when else are you gonna get woken up in the middle of the night by fruit bats? Come on, that's a cool thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> not many That's people not can say that. Never going to happen again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So she's like, all right, they still suck. And she she still doesn't like, I, I just mentioned fruit bats and she gets this sour look on her face. But so that was, that was pretty pretty fun but you know it was a it was a nice little resort got a hot shower and that's kind of a luxury in the outback but <laughs> we were kind of inland a bit so we're going you know up kind of through uh inland a, a few hundred miles uh from the coast the east coast so um you know uh, roughing a little bit the next day we did some cool hikes and saw some neat aboriginal paintings and and some cool canyons and stuff like that but you know saw a few little skinks but nothing nothing too much there so, uh, you know, we, we continued north the next day um, driving. We drove out in the middle of nowhere. One of my friends gave me a, you know, a spot to go look for knobtail geckos. He's uh, in the first nice. asper, which are really cool. I, I haven't, seen, haven't seen any of the asper complex in the wild. And so I really wanted to find one. And he said this was a great spot. He'd found a few. And so... Yeah, I mean it's out in the middle of nowhere, like the and so you know I'm like uh, on the way there we you know saw Burton's legless lizard crawling across the road so and a you know a couple cool little uh, geckos um, and so the kids got to get out and kind of play with them. The, those uh, um, the legless lizards are pretty sweet, you know they're yeah. all over Australia, so you usually see one of those. But you know to see something that looks like a snake that but it's a lizard is kind of fun for the kids. Um, and we saw a little lapid, little orange and ape snake. They're not really dangerous, but that was kind of fun for the kids to see and kind of a little snake. And and then we get to the spot, and it's, you know, kind of remote, but the habitat looks really cool. And so I'm out uh, searching around, and, and one of my daughters was brave enough to go out with me, and the others, the, my son and my other daughter wanted to stay in the car. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you guys. Uh, but uh, I found out, you know, they're they're not big fans of spiders my my kids do not like spiders and i'm not sure why i think their mother taught them that because i sure didn't <laughs> but um we get out of the car and start looking and my daughter's right behind me and i and i look up and i stop and there's probably a, a spider that's about you know six inches in diameter right in front of my face like in this web you know it's, it was a really cool looking spider it had like some zebra pattern black and white really cool looking but that was it for her she went back to the car and because <laughs> they were like and, and this whole area was just covered with these spiders you had to because i'm looking down at the ground looking for geckos and but you had to remember to look up because you're going to wind up with a face full of spider if you didn't uh keep your wits about you so <laughs> and uh luckily i'd i'd been in you know or yeah been in areas before up in uh darwin area where you know there are these giant orb weaver spiders they're probably a good 12 inches around you know like with the legs and everything but yeah they're right at face level for some reason that's a good spot to catch bugs i guess or maybe they're trying to catch people but um it right. was uh like walking through a minefield you had to duck and <laughs> and uh get around these giant uh webs but <laughs> and then uh so I'm looking for, you know, knobtail geckos and really excited, just thinking around the next corner, there's going to be two or three of them, you know, just hanging out waiting for me, of course. And uh, all of a sudden my daughter comes on the radio because, you know, I had a little walkie-talkie so they could feel safe while they sat in the car while I'm out looking for stuff. And they're like, Dad, are you done yet? I'm like, come on, guys. It's been like <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm not done yet. 
we're, we're gonna be we're gonna spend the night here we're gonna be here for a few hours like get get comfortable and it's like ah, it's it's getting hot in the car we really want to go i'm like well come out and look for geckos with me no yeah. so i'm like all right you know and then and then if you know a few more minutes go by dad are you done yet we're getting scared you know <laughs> somebody's gonna come and murder us while we're in the car i'm like just keep the door locked i'll hear the chainsaw and i'll, I'll, I'll hear your but... screams yeah, well, <laughs> yeah one of you will alert me to the others that are in danger so I, hey, i'll lose exactly. one so yeah it's fine your mother and i talked so, about this <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm like we're, we're we're in the middle of nowhere there's nobody out here you know there's no no cars you're you're just you're fine you're safe and so you know then uh finally i'm like okay give me give me just the you know give me a cup give me an hour and a half and i'll be good you know if i don't find one in an hour and a half it's probably not meant to be so kept looking and and about another 30 minutes go by and all of a sudden out comes the super moon and it's like the you know the biggest moon we've had in what 200 years or something i don't know you, you guys remember the super moon back in november it was like uh-huh I, it, yeah they're all talking I about mean, that yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The moon comes over the horizon, and it's like you know, it, it's it's ten times bigger than I've ever seen the moon be. You know, and it's like full moon, bright as day. You know, all of a sudden the light comes on. You know, I'm like, oh crap. If you know, if you're if you're herper, you know that the moon does e- equals bad luck with finding reptiles in the wild. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, okay. You know, the kids are ready to move on, and and super moon's not gonna help me find any geckos. So. I called in the night and bagged it and we kept driving. So <laughs> they were, they were happy. I was a little miffed. I really wanted to find one of those. So yes, that's just another reason to go back again. So we uh, headed further North and um, drove and drive. And, and then I had one, one spot that I really wanted to go look for snakes and was kind of an out of the way place. It was probably a good six hours out of the way from Cannes area. But uh, it's one place where you could have pretty good luck of finding the pygmy banded pythons, which are that new little species of Antaresia. And when I say new, I mean people have known about them since the 90s, but, um, you know, I, th- I knew it. They just haven't been described. We're just waiting for old uh, what's-his-guts to throw out a crappy paper and describe them. But <laughs> Hoser. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to mention he who should not yeah. be named. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. He's so, like Beetlejuice. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. You know, we don't say his name. Yeah. yeah, he'll he'll start writing the paper right now if you say it another time. So let's stop yeah, there. Yeah, no but, one stop now. Yeah. yeah, but so we we went out to this place just out in the middle of nowhere, and we we had a place saved at the at the campground, so we set up our camp and. And then we drove out a, a few, you know, a few hours uh, uh, further uh, to a spot where I was told these things could be found. And so we go out there, and and it's this big uh, reservoir, right? So we're we're walking around, looking, um, you know, just looking around. And we we hit it perfectly. We got there right at dusk, right when the sun was going down. You know, which is a great time to be looking for for snakes. And the moon hadn't come up, thankfully. And and uh so we're walking around and and you know finding all these dead cane toads it was really weird like there were all all the cane toads we found were either on the verge of death or dead so i don't know if there was some kind of control going on there but it was really cool to see you know hopefully something's 
going on to control those toads because yeah. they're they're just a they're just a menace over there. So um, you know it's it's sad because I like the, I like toads. I like all you know reptiles and amphibians, and you know it's sad to see uh, right. something out of place and you know kind of be demonized because of it. You know, um, but you know they're they're a big problem, and I guess they've been a problem for a number of years. But so it was interesting. I I, I still wonder if anybody knows what's what's going on. You know, out by. Uh, uh, inland, uh, uh, Queensland, <laughs> what's, what's happening to the toads? Let me know. But so we, huh. uh, walked around and I, I walk up and there's this little pygmy banded python crawling along the ground. And I don't know, there's something just extra cool about finding a snake, you know, when you're, when you're out searching for it on foot. Yeah. You can road cruise and find stuff on the road. That's cool. And it's fun to see stuff, but when you when you hike up on one that you're looking for in the area you're looking for it that's just a cool uh extra bonus i guess so we found this thing and we're we're uh you know i was just beyond the moon you know two two of my target species two pythons that i hadn't seen before and you know with the diamond and then now this this pygmy banded python i was that was just the trip for me i was i was good if i didn't see another reptile the whole time so that was pretty fun. <laughs> took yeah, you know, just took a ton of pictures, just videoed it for a while, followed it, watched it where where it was going, just kind of followed it around until the kids like, "Come on, dad, the bugs are coming out, let's get out of here." But mm-hmm. um so I was pretty happy about that and uh we uh had a had a good time chasing that thing. My son found a lizard laying on, you know, sleeping on a on a rock or a tree branch or something, so he he caught a lizard around the same time I found the snake, so he was pretty excited about that. Uh, it's pretty cool. And there were lots That's of awesome. different species of of frog all around. I I'm not really familiar with the frogs as well as the reptiles, but we saw, you know, three or four different species of frogs, so that was kind of cool too. Um but so you know, and, and as we're driving back to the campground, I'm just, you know, still on a high from finding that thing, um, driving along and there's a snake in the road. So I, you know, uh, luckily swerved and missed it on the road and turned around and came back and it was another big me banded python. <laughs> so double, you know, double wow. four there. So I, you know, I'm all excited, jump out of the car, I run over and I'm checking it out, you know, getting it off the road to make sure it doesn't get hit while I'm looking at it. And, and, uh, so I'm, you know, checking it out, taking pictures, uh, uh, and all of a sudden I hear my daughter in the car, she's like, uh, dad. And I'm, I'm, I look back and the cars are coming towards me. I'm like, why is my daughter driving the car? Like, what is she thinking? I'm like, why, what are you, what are you driving for? And she's like, uh, dad, I'm in the back seat. I'm like, oh crap. So oh, I jump in. I, I, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't hadn't put it in park and so it was rolling backwards (laughs) towards me and uh, me and my other daughter so uh jump in hit the brakes put it in park get it off the road yeah and and unfortunately this is a this is a problem i have sometimes when i get really excited about seeing a snake on the road we were driving in dar in darwin and and saw a big olive python on the road and i did the exact same thing and uh, luckily Luckily, old Birchie had my back, and he jumped over and hit the brakes and put it in park for me. But, yeah, I, w- I wasn't going to miss uh, coming up on that olive python and checking it out, although I almost resulted in its demise as the car would have run <laughs> over it if, we, <laughs> if he hadn't. Oh. Uh, so I, I, I need they... to learn to put the, put the car in park first. But, 
And how were they in the wild? Was it was it aggressive or was it chill or? Oh, so the both of them were just totally. Oh, the olive python was pretty chill. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of of snakes that I've found in Australia that have been like bitey. I think that the first jungle carpet I found was a little feisty. It was striking at us. Um, uh, there was a king horn eye that uh, Rico and I found, and it was. It, I think it took us took a bite of his boot, but other than that, wasn't really striking much. But I think you know pretty much every other snake has just been pretty chill. Like hasn't huh. been too too aggressive or anything. Yeah, I don't think the olive python ever tried to to bite or anything. And these both of these pygmy banded pythons were really calm too. So um, I don't know. You know, I think I think some snakes have a reputation. I, I I've thought about that because I was talking to um, Chuck Pullen the other day, and we were talking about uh, king horn eye, and you know he's. They, uh, they're they're cool species and you know i'd saw i'd saw a couple on this trip as well and you know i picked them up they never tried to strike at me they were really easy going i mean i kept kept kind of away from the sharp end but you know <laughs> you, you don't want to you don't want to encourage them to bite you but at the same time i i you know just kind of went over picked them up moved them off the road or moved them you know into the into the uh safe area but uh yeah, they never tried to strike or or anything. They were really easy going. Uh, so, I don't know. You know, I I don't know. I was thinking, you know, do, do people just keep them too hot or do they keep them? Because all of these uh, pythons up, uh, you know, and I'll get to this in a second. But most of the pythons we found up in the uh, tropical north, I mean, they were kind of out during cool conditions, so it was a little cooler outside. And I've always been a little bit surprised that, you know, the, the ones that I've found up there have usually been on kind of a rainy, uh, cool night. You know, huh. in the 70s, the temperatures were a little cooler. So I don't know. I, you know, I've, I've thought about that a, a bit, and I wonder if we keep our stuff a little too on the hot side. Uh, right. So, but, yeah, so it was it was uh, pretty, pretty exciting to find those two, and it was worth driving, you know, the extra – six hours out of the way to go to that spot so i was pretty pretty <laughs> glad we we didn't get skunked on that one but awesome. and then on you know on the drive back in my daughter spotted a big uh lace monitor crossing the road so we got to go chase that around and ran wow. right up a tree and you know it was pretty sweet um i, I don't know just a you know great place so from there we headed over into camp into oh go ahead no, I was just going to say, how difficult is it when you come back from one of these trips that you don't want to, uh, you know, work with all these different species? <laughs> well, I, know, I mean, I know no, you work that's... with a lot of the pythons, but... Well, <laughs> yeah. lace monitor price tag might have something to do with that one. I mean, you know. Yeah, that, that, that helps my patience a little. Is the price. Yeah, the laces can be a little pricey, but... And, and you know, it seems like a lot of the stuff... I. I I don't know that there are any pygmy banded pythons in the U.S., but you know a lot of this stuff is is available. But yeah, some of it comes with a pretty hefty hefty price tag. But right, um, you know, s- someday I'll have lace. I just don't have the room for them right now. I I did come home and and I picked up some Ak- Akinthuris monitors, got some Ackies again. So <laughs> some oh, of really? Those again? But, yeah, yeah they're fantastic. Cool. Yeah, so I you know love- they're just kind of a little fun project, but. Yeah, I would love to work with them. They've been one of the monitors that I'm like, you know, because they stay smaller and they're just, I don't know, they're just cool they're, little monitors. They're so cool. They're so cool. Yeah. And when they start breeding, they're like little egg machines. 
So it's like all of a sudden yeah. you're like, holy crap, stop it. And then like, yeah, there's, you can go from like four to like 20 Ackies if you're not paying attention very, very quickly. Um, <laughs> right. no, I, and I, yeah, I would love to get some of them. Right now I'm dealing with baby Savannah monitors. So, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. cool. That's, yeah, that's something you don't really see. Do you breathe, you breathe those or you? No, 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 no. You picked up some uh, imports? Yeah. I wish. My buddy uh, who does all the monitor stuff, He he's like stacked, like he's like packed to the gills right now, like monitor-wise. Mm-hmm. So he picked mm-hmm. up a bunch of baby, about eight baby Nile monitors and about eight baby Savannah monitors. And he's like, here, do this and leave <laughs> them alone. So like I have like these cages and you don't ever see them. You put the food down, you walk away. And if you quick turn back around, you'll see them all run away. But like that's the best like look you can get on these old guys. But yeah, they're uh, they're all growing up and getting a little plump, and they're fun. To, they're the, I think the best part about them is they're one phone call away from leaving. So if I ever really yeah. just can't be, they're gonna go. So but yeah. I keep dealing with these little babies, and I love it. So Aki's are on my list. Yeah, they're they're fun. They, I mean, monitors are a lot more work than our snakes. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I I don't yes. know what's uh, gotten into me lately, but picking up more lizards lately, just you know, kind of on a whim or for fun or whatever. But I I miss having lizards, and you know, maybe the trip had something to do with. It, but um, so yeah, one uh, we we headed over to Kansas and we went into Mossman Gorge. Speaking of you know the the lace monitors, and um, I was after we did this hike through Mossman Gorge, which is a really cool spot. And, um, we saw this, uh, lace monitor just walking across the trail and, you know, in those heavy, uh, you know, trafficked areas, there are a lot of people that go into Mossman Gorge and usually the monitors in those areas are so much more tolerant of, and they'll, they'll let you get close to them, you know, a lot closer than, you know, the random monitor out in the bush. So we, uh, I just, got out the video camera and I followed this thing around for a good, you know, 30, 40 minutes and just said, Hey kids, wait here on the trail. I'll be back in a little while. And I just followed it (laughs) into the bush (laughs) and it was just so fun to just follow this thing, you know, watching it dig through the, dig through the leaf litter and looking for whatever it could find to eat. You know, they just spend their day looking for food. So that's really fun to follow them around. And it was really pretty monitor, really dark uh, black, you know, with these bright yellow spots. It was really uh, a cool find. And another uh, cool reptile on that uh, hike, it was kind of funny because I told my kids, you know, if anybody finds a Boyd's Forest Dragon, I'll buy them, you know, an ice cream or something. And uh, once we get back into town after the uh, the hike, and and so all the kids are scanning the forest and you know looking for these things. And of course, I was too. But I let them take the lead to kind of get them excited about finding the the lizards and and hopefully getting a free ice cream out of the deal. One of my mm-hmm. daughters was taking it pr- pretty seriously. She was looking pretty hard for it. The other two were just kind of messing around or playing. But so we. We uh, were up on this, you know, kind of the furthest loop of the of the trail and on our way kind of ready to head back and on this loop trail that goes through the park. And, and we stopped to let some people go by on the trail. And so we're just standing there on the side of the trail. My daughter, who had been searching more intently on for these lizards, comes up and, and stands by us. And uh, I was just waiting for these people to pass, and they pass. And uh, so I'm like, okay, let's continue on. And my daughter's like, isn't that one of them? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and I, and she like points at it. He's like, isn't that what we're looking for? And I look over and seriously, like five feet off the trail, 
and about eye level is this uh, Boyd's forest dragon sitting on a tree. And it was just blocked from my view on the trail from, you know, from a little other tree. And she just had a, had, had the right, you know, vantage point. I'm like, holy crap. That was, I thought you'd be more excited, dad. Isn't that one of them? I'm like, oh yeah. Well, you're going to give me a minute. Like, you know, the shock yeah. has got to wear off first, but uh, Jesus. So she, she earned her ice cream. Yeah, and, damn yeah, right. That was, that was a beautiful lizard. Those things are just so cool. So, um, just so, you know, cryptic, like, you know, and, and nobody else, we, we sat and photographed it and looked at it for probably a good 30, 40 minutes. And, and, uh, people walked by us on the trail. Nobody even asked us what we were doing or looked, you know, over what we were looking at. So nobody really noticed. I can see why they go unnoticed pretty, pretty easily, but just a cool little lizard and, so we, we, you know, took some photos and video and stuff of it while it sat on the tree. And they don't move a lot. You know, you can walk right up to them and take pictures pretty close. They might move around the tree to kind of do that little uh, uh, thing where, you know, they go on the other side of the tree. Oh, you can't see me now, which works pretty well, I guess. But, um, you know, so once you spot them, it's kind of humorous to watch them do that. But, so, <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a cool spot. And uh, the, the next night found us driving out towards the – uh, rainforest areas and going looking for snakes. I was hoping to find jungles, of course, and we found uh, two or three scrubs in the area. And, uh, nice. Just yeah, yeah, they were just beautiful snakes. One was pretty good size too, probably good twelve foot, something like that. And um, but yeah, these were just real calm, easy going snakes out cruising through the rain. But there was one place that was supposed to be the, the spot for jungle carpets. And we found, you know, two or three scrubs and, and no jungle carpets. So I was still wanting to find my jungle carpet, you know, and, and, uh, we stayed in the cans area for quite a few days. We did a little crocodile boat tour and, um, you know, saw, saw a couple of wild crocodiles. That was fun, you know, seeing the salty in the wild. And uh did you know, did some touristy things in the area, went on a few rain uh waterfall hikes and and Kansas is a really cool place. Like it's a really uh neat place. So I'd I'd highly recommend that area. Um but we uh we you know didn't didn't end up seeing any jungles in the area so we thought well we're you know headed south and and it was my last night in the area and I was I really wanted to go out cruising so we're driving and my daughter's like can we just go set up camp I'm like well here I'll make you make you a deal if we find a jungle carpet before we get to the campground we'll set up camp and I'll be done but if not I'm gonna have to drag you out for a couple hours looking for them She's like, oh, Dad. Okay. So we were driving and we saw this car was kind of broken down or, you know, had their flashers on. And, and so we passed them and my daughter's like, well, should we try to help those people? So we turn around and go back to help them. Uh, in the meantime, they'd gotten back in the car and took off. So I guess they were okay. But I saw this little side street. I'm like, let's just drive up the street. And sure enough, there was this gorgeous jungle carpet python crossing the road. <laughs> I'm like, oh. all right. <laughs> You get to go to bed early tonight, Ashley. <laughs> so, yeah. But it, it was a uh, very nice yellow on this thing. It had, you know, had kind of a lot of that fishnet look, which I really like the black kind of um, overlaid on the yellow. Uh, just a beautiful snake. And in the right light, you know, this yellow just popped. And, and that was, you know, a uh, nice little fortuitous thing. I guess, you know, karma, whatever you want to call it, going back to help somebody, you get to find a jungle carpet. So 
I'd, I'd uh, encourage everybody to help your fellow man. You might get to see something cool that way. But, that's, yeah. that's totally awesome. The next morning we headed out to uh, this beach spot and uh, there to go look for cassowaries. And I don't know if, oh, you, know, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know about the cassowaries, but they're kind of in dire straits. You know, they're on the decline. They're uh, mm. just tropical bird, just cool looking as heck. You know, everybody says, oh, that's the bird. You know, they can kill people and they've got these giant, and they do have pretty impressive weaponry on their feet. But I asked, uh, we went the next day to the Billabong Sanctuary and, and we got to feed the cassowaries there at the zoo, which was kind of fun. And uh, they apparently like they, they, they can take down like these whole fruits. So this, this uh, keeper at the Billabong Sanctuary chucks a whole tomato and the cassowary catches it and uh eats it whole like and just right down the, right down the tube right not no hesitation and and i guess they have a really fast digestion it only takes you know a few hours to digest and and make it through the their digestive tract so they're really good at spreading seeds throughout you know and kind of you know spreading the forest or whatever you know spreading these uh, yeah. seeds from right. the fruits so it's kind of kind of a cool thing but Man, that, you know, bright blue head. So, you know, we, we heard this good spot, you know, down at Eddie Beach. And so we drive down and sure enough, like there's a cassowary just right at the end of the road, right on the beach waiting for us, you know, when we got there. So that was, that was pretty cool. Again, I was hoping we'd cool. see one in the Cairns area, but, you know, no luck. So that was a, a fun thing to see. So I, you know, we kind of followed them around for a bit and took some pictures and, uh, got pretty close. Like there was no sign of uh, aggression or nervousness, but, and then, um, I, I saw another one in the forest, like just kind of hanging out there. And I think it was a, a male. It was a little, uh, more flighty though. This one took off and then driving out of that area, we see uh, a little baby duck into the forest. So the father oh, must have cool. been nearby with chicks. So, and the, the males raised the, the babies in that species. So it's kind of cool. Uh, you know, different different thing but pretty sweet to see a giant uh, bird like that just walking on the beach yeah yeah i mean so that's really cool. that's the, the closest you can get to a dinosaur i mean <laughs> you know oh, yeah pretty much yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy like yeah it's to and to be kind of close you get kind of nervous like thinking oh man is it gonna change its mind and you know take a <laughs> take a run at me or something like am i getting right. too close mm-hmm. you know, i don't want to take it off but uh so that was that was fun. Um, so you know the Billabong Sanctuary was fun. The kids got to pet you know some uh, some little furry animals. Uh, I don't even know what they are, like a koala or something. <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. Just you know that, that, those things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. We did get to hold a crocodile, so they were pretty geeked out about that. It was kind of fun to hold a little baby saltwater crocodile. But wow. uh, we yeah we we drove uh, to this place called um Juwarma Falls um which was a just this cool waterfall you know and we're hiking and we're starting on the hike and I I just had my camera with me and and I'm walking up the trail and all of a sudden there's this Bell's Phase lace monitor sitting in the trail holy crap like, yeah I, I wasn't expecting you know it's just one of those things like oh there's a Bell's Phase lace monitor <laughs> like holy crap it was you know two minutes after we left the car and so I'm like Oh man, you know, and it, and it kind of goes about you know four feet up a tree, and I'm thinking, holy crap, I'm gonna 
crap this thing. I'm going to get, you know, get some pit, get, no, some, get a wanker shot with this thing, you know? And, uh, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, if I get bit, we're a little ways out from a hospital or anything. So I'm a little nervous. And, but I, I'm thinking, I, you know, I've, I've grabbed a, a lacy before, uh, uh, so I, I could get it, you know, I at least grab it by the tail and try to try to make a grab for the neck or head or something. But, uh, so I'm, I'm getting up there and I, I get around the tree and I go to grab it and, and it, it just, took off like lightning and I missed it and my kids are all oh dad you suck you know that kind of thing <laughs> and it it went up this little tree and it kind of went up fairly fairly high you know I got a couple half decent shots of it with the camera but I'm like I need my video camera I got to get video of this thing and and the kids are like oh yeah I'm like let's just let's just go see the waterfall and I'm thinking well you know it'll probably still be there when I get back and of course, you know, we come back and it's long gone. <laughs> so I'm like, dang it! Why didn't I just why why didn't I just go back to the car and get my video camera? You know, get some video of this thing. It was beautiful. So yeah. you know, my half crappy half shots have to work, I guess, for me to remember. But you know, that those bells phase are just so just cool looking. You know, that bold banding. Um, mm-hmm. So that was another another highlight of the trip, I guess, to see something that I hadn't seen before. Such that's cool. a that's a pretty good haul. I mean, if you're finding diamond pythons and bell phase lace monitor, I mean, that's yeah. like that's so <laughs> yeah, far, it's a pretty good trip. Yeah, yeah, I call yeah, it a not yeah. bad. Yeah, we it, it gets it keeps keeps going too. <laughs> we we uh, oh. along that along that same trail, there were a bunch of like you know little skinks, kind of cool. You know, a few were bigger. Little, I can't remember the the name you know the the little skinks there's a lot of those over there so you know the little brown skinks kind of right together but um but there was this pond and the kids are like dad because i was off you know when we got back to that tree i was so disappointed i'm like can i just hike around and look for that monitor you know the kids are like yeah go ahead so they they headed down to this little pond area and they come back and there's like dad there's turtles everywhere in there so we went and um, did a little turtling and I was able to grab one of the, one of the turtles. So we got to, you know, see that up close. And I guess that one was, it was like blind in one eye. So it didn't see me coming very well. So I was able to grab it. But, uh, this old 40 year old man grabs you, I guess, you, you know, not quite, quite fast enough to catch a bells, but I caught this turtle that was blind in one eye. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Uh, nice. we, we went out to, so it was, you know, quite a few herps on that. We saw, uh, like, a, one of the whip snakes or the, the, uh, the just those diurnal lapids that are really quick. Uh, saw, saw one of those kind of race, but I, I chased it. Man, those things are just fast. Like, it just was out of there and down a hole and didn't even get a very good look at it. I don't know what I was going to do once I caught up to it. I guess try to tail it like the like an Australian, you know. they <laughs> It's like second nature down there. They'll grab any venomous snake and just tail it and let you take a look at it and then let it go. You know, they know what they're doing. But I don't know if I trust myself that well. And I know my wife would kill me if I died. I guess I'd already said, but she, she would not she would not be She's happy not if I well. yeah. 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 Leave, leave the kids to fend for themselves like so. oh yeah but uh, we, well yeah yeah we were we drove uh you know set up our camp and then we were just saying ah, let's go drive around this area it's kind of a cool area a little woodland area so we found this dirt road and just started driving up it and and uh there was this little dog on the side of the road and my, my girls love dogs. So dad, stop the car. Let us pet the little puppy. And I'm like, 
oh, man, do we have to waste time with a warm-blooded mammal? Like, come on, guys, let's mm-hmm. just keep looking for reptiles, something cool. <laughs> you, can see a, you can see a dog at home, you know. So I'm like, all right, go pet your dog. And so she gets out of the car, and she, she's like, Dad, uh, I think there's a monitor in this tree. And, so, and apparently the dog was just staring up into the tree, you know, like a little pointer or something. And, mm-hmm. and it was like a little chihuahua dog, some little tiny rat puppy or whatever. But uh, it was staring up in the tree and, tree and kind of barking. And my daughter looked up and saw this tail kind of go up the tree. I'm like, all right, now we're talking. You know, I guess there was a reason to stop and look at a dog. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll stop and look at more dogs these days. But um, the, the, I look up the tree, and sure enough, there's this big lizard up there. And it wasn't a monitor, but it was a big frilled lizard. So I'm like, oh, oh sweet. Cool. And uh, it was just so happened. It was a tree that I could get up. And now on my first trip to Australia, we were with uh, a few guys, including uh, – uh, Rico and Alan Rapashi and uh, my dad was on the trip and some other friends and and so and we were in the Cairns area and uh, I think it was Rob Roy McGinnis uh, saw a frill lizard it was like you know 30 feet off the road and we were driving like 70 miles an hour and he's like there's a frill <laughs> so you know that guy could <laughs> spot reptiles like nobody's business so we uh walked over to this tree and it it was like there were no branches until about 20 feet up and they're like all right who wants to climb up and get it and and they're all I I think I was the youngest one on the trip and they're all looking at me like well you're the youngest go go get it I'm like all right I'm gonna go catch that frill so I'm climbing this tree and you know I get up to the spot where there's branches and by that time I'm just spent and I I'm like Mm -hmm. I can't do it I can't go any further you know and every time you climb higher the lizard would go higher too and out on thinner and thinner branches. And I'm like, do I want to keep going and risk, you know, breaking a branch and falling to my death or do I give up? And look like a wuss? <laughs> so I gave up and looked like a wuss and I'm like, sorry guys. And they're like, well, notice none of us tried to climb the tree. So you got that much bigger <laughs> than us. <laughs> so this time I'm like, okay, time to redeem myself. So I climbed up the tree and this thing went to the very tip top, you know, skinniest branches it could find. But luckily it was a very small tree because the trees next to it were gigantic and I would have never been able to climb up and get it. So it it, it was a lucky thing that it chose this tree and I was able to climb up and I, I grabbed it, you know, and it just starts frilling out at me. And, and so then I have to climb down the tree with a angry frill. It's all frilled, hand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my kids are like, don't you know don't fall don't uh, so luck you know i made it down and and so i i think i redeemed myself and <laughs> brought this thing down and then the kids got to look at it so that was that was really fun and it nice. just sat there and, and frilled at us the whole time like it did not relax uh for a second so you know we got our pictures and took 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 a lot of pictures of it and so I'm like, okay, now I want to get a video of it running, you know, because they run so cool on their little back legs, yeah. just goofy, so goofy looking, but it's hilarious. So I'm like, you know, bipedal lizards are just the coolest. So I, I, I need to get some video of this thing running. So I'm like, I put it on the road and I get back and I'm watching with my video camera and it just sat there and frilled at us. Like it would not move. It just follow us, you know, wherever it went. It was like this little radar device, you know, uh, tracking it our every move. And so I'm like, and so I went over and tried to scare it or push it or, you know, let, you're free, run away. Run, <laughs> and dude. It wouldn't, yeah. it, it wouldn't budge. It, it just sat there, you know. And all the other, all the other frills I'd seen, as soon as you put them down on the ground, they're, you know, they're gone. Like, you have to be ready. 
you know, all set, ready to go. And uh, they don't always run the direction you want them to. So a lot of my videos have been of them running away have been pretty crappy because I don't know which direct. They always go the direction you think they're not going to go. And uh, so I'm just waiting for it, sitting there videoing. Okay, action, go, run. <laughs> just sat there, you know. So finally, <laughs> we, uh, I, I'm going up closer with it. I've got the video camera down its face, and all of a sudden it just, like, decided to attack the camera. And so it starts jumping <laughs> at me. And it's jumping and snapping at the camera, the video camera. And so it was kind of funny. So I'm backing up, and this thing's jumping. And then it starts climbing up my leg to try to get closer to attack the camera. So it's climbing up me. Uh, it's, it was pretty good. So I so I got all that footage, and that's on YouTube, so you can watch me getting uh, attacked by a frilled lizard. But that's uh, <laughs> that was that was a lot of fun. The kids got a kick out of that too. So I'm glad we were able to show them a frilled in the wild. And sure enough, I came home and there was a frilled at one of the reptile shows. I'm like, okay, I think I'm gonna good thing <laughs> give it a go. Oh, yeah, I've got yeah, I've got a frilled lizard and it's doing great. Nice. It's a lot of fun to keep and. Yeah, doing really well. So I'm now I'm thinking, oh, okay, how do I get more? How do I get Australian locality frills? You know, <laughs> so if anybody has a good lead on Australian frills that aren't a million dollars, let me know. But, right. So yeah, they're they're. I mean, I think that was one of the first. You know, like most people, one of the first lizards you see from Australia, just because they're so iconic and just so cool. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah. And then anything we made anything, our way down. Oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, is there um, anything I, special to keeping those guys, just like regular monitors? Well, I mean, they, they're they a little – they they like a lot of room, so you need a fairly yeah. good-sized cage for these guys. And I think that's what kind of limits a lot of people from keeping them. But, I mean, ah. right now I've got them in probably a, you know, a three-foot tall by, you know, three and a half foot wide or something, not very deep. And, and he's doing really well in there. He or she, huh. I'm not sure exactly, but right. The, yeah. So it's not too terrible, but you know, I've just got it kind of uh, wedged in there in my reptile room somewhere, but I'm, I'm working on, <laughs> I need another room now. So I, I have an old rodent room that was next to my reptile room. So I'm turning that into a lizard room so I can make room for all my skinks and, you know, ackies and frills and all cool. that good stuff. So, very yeah. cool. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, I'll probably start expanding now and get more lizards. But I still need some of those Pilbara rock monitors. Those are those are probably the top of my list, unless I can find a Parenti. Then everything goes, and I just turn my whole herp room into a Parenti cage. One large Parenti cage. Yeah, they're the coolest. But anyway, until that point, I think I'm going to pick up some Pilbara rock monitors in the near future. We'll see see how that goes. Oh, very cool. Need to get the room first and get that all done. But, yeah, lizards are a lot of fun to keep despite the uh, additional workload. <laughs> so, hmm. yeah, we we uh, made our way over to, to Troy Kuligowski's place and hung out with him and his family. Just great people. Love those guys. They had a, they had a few barbecues. Uh, Deb uh, had a barbecue for us and, you know, had got together with some old friends. So that was a lot of, a lot of fun. Good to see those guys again. They're just some of my favorite people. Um, yeah, they're all, but yeah, you're just good, just good people. So that was a lot of fun to see them again, catch up and, uh, see their kids, man. Their kids are getting big fast. So, uh, it was fun to see them again. Uh, and then, uh, kind of made our way back down to Sydney and, and, uh, <laughs> the, 
I think the worst the worst part of the trip we were we were back in Sydney and my kids wanted to buy souvenirs of course and so you know we stopped at a few places but they wanted souvenirs to bring to their friends and all that and I told them okay once we get back to Sydney we'll look for a good spot so we throw it in the GPS and we drive to the spot that GPS tells us to go and there's no shop there and oh it was a, a different street with the same name so we're just going on this wild goose chase through Sydney and so I'm finally I'm thinking okay you know this is not this is not enjoyable because I've I've gone across the Sydney Bridge a few times you know and I'm I'm paying tolls every time I go back and forth looking <laughs> for souvenir shops and I'm like and and I'm like okay we're done we're out of here I'm I'm done with this we're not going to find a souvenir shop in Sydney you know and my daughter like she I look over and she's kind of uh, crying a little bit she's I'm like oh no. So I'm like, okay, yeah. we'll try one more time. You know, <clears throat> you're gonna pull that card on your dad. That'll that'll work pretty well. But so yeah. So I I, I I go we go back into Sydney. I'm like, okay, we'll park at the Sydney Opera House because we you know on our our first day there we went and saw the Sydney Opera House. So I knew where to go, knew where the parking lot was, and it was like 15 bucks to park there. And so I'm like, okay, I can do that. And there's got to be souvenir shops around the Sydney Opera House. Where else would you find, you know, souvenir yeah, shops? Yeah, exactly. In there. So we park there, and I, you know, I look at the rate. I'm like, okay, 15 bucks. We got two hours. You know, we're, we, we, you got two hours to find souvenirs, and then we're out of here. And so we're running around, find, you know, two or three souvenir shops. The the kids were very happy. I was happy, and everything was good. So we go back to the the opera house parking lot and I go to pay for my parking and he's like $68. I'm like, Holy hell. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like it's huh. 15. He's like, Nope, there's the standard uh, one fee for, you know, evenings and weekends. I'm like, crap. <laughs> so I, I probably spent a good, you know, 200 bucks driving back and forth, uh, getting <laughs> souvenirs. I, I had to pay 75 just to, for the privilege of getting souvenirs, you know, with the, with the tolls and the, and the parking fee, but at least my daughter was happy. So it's all mm-hmm. good, I guess. And then, and then we went and stayed in a little hotel to get a good night's sleep in a bed because the whole trip, we just stayed in our tent, you know, with the sleeping bags and stuff. Except for one night in Cairns, we stayed in a hotel, and that was a good night to stay in a hotel because it rained like cat, you know, rained cats and dogs. So we avoided that in the tent, which was good. But headed home after that, and just a great trip all around. My now my daughters want to move back to Australia. They keep talking about going back and how much they miss the you know Birch family and the Kuligowskis and Deb and everybody over there. So yeah, it's uh, it's kind of kind of fun they're so excited about it i i'd hope they'd like the reptiles and the, the outback a little more but you know they enjoyed that but i think they just love the people the most so I, that's all right too i guess we can enjoy our friends as well so right but yeah great trip uh, highly recommend it anybody uh hint hint that's on the fence and hasn't been yet you know <laughs> get over there yeah sorry I, I told you I, I told you i wouldn't give you a hard time but i couldn't resist yeah, you dig. Yeah, w- yeah, we deserve it. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny too that I was over there at the same time Nick was. Like, I I remember talking to him on the phone. I'm like, yeah, I'm headed over Australia with my family. He's like, when are you going? I'm like, uh, November, you know, middle end of November. He's like, me too. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> Cans? Me too. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's kind of funny. But, yeah. 
Yeah. That happened before too. The the like a yeah. couple of trips before, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was, the last uh, trip we, we were both in Western Australia. Him and uh, yeah. Ryan Young and Ryan Young. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think we had to have passed them on the road at some point, you know. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> we uh, they found some stuff we didn't find. We found some stuff they didn't find. So I guess it all worked out. But I, I really would have yeah. liked to have found one of those barons, olive pythons. Man, those things are cool. Still need to see one of those. But I got my parenti, so I can't complain. That's that was worth the whole trip there, last trip to see a parenti right. in the wild. So, yeah. so what do you have left uh, on your le- list to see? Is there anything left yeah, that you want to see? Yeah, there's still quite a few. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still still need to see uh, Brettles. I, I need to make it back to Alice Springs. Mm. That was a fantastic spot. I love love Alice Springs. Um, I want to make it back there sometime soon. Um, still need to see those. Still need to see a couple blue tongues. I need to see a Centralian blue tongue and a Western blue tongue. I've missed, I've seen like freshly hit on the road, still squirming, you know, two of, two of those Centralians. Seen Western blue tongues dead on the road, but just haven't found a live one yet for some reason. It's killing me. Um, need to find a, a Pilbara olive python, Baron's olive, and uh Let's see what else is left. Um, uh, an inland carpet would be nice. We were yeah. kind of in a, in, in somewhat in the habitat, but not a very good spot for them. But so I was kind of hoping on this last trip I might get extremely lucky and find an inland. But so I need to go back and look for inlands as well. Um, and uh, is that it? I think I've seen. There's a few monitor species I'd like to see as well. But, uh, yeah, I think those are my main targets. So, And I'm, I'm sure as soon as I find those, I'll have another target that will keep me going back. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Or so, start it all over and see if I can, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I car- find yeah, a Carinata. Yeah. Yeah. If I were to uh, find a Carinata in the wild, I'd just die. Like, it would be like I would just <laughs> dissolve be done. Yeah. The peak. I mean, that that it, there's just something about that finding something that you've just dreamed about seeing and, and, you know, you've kept in captivity and finally, I mean, seeing it in its natural habitat, it's just, there's something about that that just, I mean, it's like magical. I don't know how to describe it. You know, you, like Owen said, you just feel like you could die happy and everything's good. You know, <laughs> there it is. You're like, wow, I, I found it. It's, it's Life good. is good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's every time I go over, I have a couple of those moments where you just, you know, that, that one site made the whole trip worth it. You know, no matter what happens, I can be happy with this trip. I saw my diamond python crawling through a, you know, cemetery and that, that made the whole trip on the first couple <laughs> days. So it's all good. Right. Yeah. And, awesome. and I can't, that's kind of the attitude you need to have because, you know, it's, it is hard because you, you will, you'll miss on some and you'll hit some and, you know, you're going to see something cool no matter where you go. So, you know, you're, you're guaranteed to see some cool stuff, but you know, when you just see one of those things you've been dying to see, uh, it's just the best, really cool stuff. I got it. All- we're herping around here in PA because even though it, there's still some cool stuff that you could find here. I mean, I kind of understand why, I haven't gone out herping more and more in the area or even in the state. Um, Cause I know there's some people in Florida who are always posting pictures of their herping trips, KJ, and they find some really cool stuff. So, Oh yeah. Uh, I yeah. Gotta get out more. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of local stuff that I still need to find, and I enjoy going out looking for that. I found a cool uh, a new species for me last year. Um, we were down in uh, the southwest corner of Utah and uh, came across the uh, Scutulatus, a uh, um, rattlesnake, the Mojave rattlesnake. I hadn't seen one of those. Oh, nice. They, they kind of oh, wow. they're just right in the very corner. They're a very small range in Utah, so that was cool to find that and. Yeah, I love that southwest corner of Utah. That's a great area to herp and planning, a, hoping to make it down there a few times this year. But, you know, life gets busy. You almost have to, like, plan a special trip. And, you know, with all of the kids, st- stuff the kids are doing, family's doing, it's hard to find the time with work and, you know. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's stuff close by. There's a garter snake den that's, you know, a couple miles away from my house. And I'll, I'll go out there every spring when it starts to warm up. And there's, you know. I've seen as many as like 50, 60 garter snakes just crawling all over the place. It's really kind of fun. So wow, yeah. even those little common species can be fun to see in in the wild. So yeah, it is. My it's, my one friend my one friend used to run Hellbender Research up here uh-huh. in, in oh, yeah. Pennsylvania, so he knows where to find them all. So like yeah, last year, he and I went out, and it's like freezing cold rivers up to your chest in the water. We're diving under the uh-huh. water, flipping over these giant rocks. We didn't find shit, but it was the, <laughs> it was so much fun. It was, yeah. I loved every minute of it. So I got to go back out and do that again and hopefully find one of those things. So, yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, I think even like incidental herping is a great thing to do too. I mean, that's kind of what this trip was about with my kids, mm-hmm. just getting them over there, letting them experience something different, letting them experience a new country, new culture, um, that kind of thing, but also let them see the cool wild, you know, the, the wilderness, the, the rocks, the mountains, whatever, you know, the deserts. And, uh, and then if we found herps, so be it. If not, you know, we'd see some cool sites. So that was kind of the idea in planning this, aside from a couple spots that I really wanted to go herp. But, you know, I didn't want to ruin it by night and day herping, which I kind of did with my wife in Western Australia. But <laughs> I learned my lesson from that. And I'm like, I want these guys to have a fun and good experience. And my wife was good a sport, better sport than anyone else would have been, I'm sure. I mean, most <laughs> most women would have killed their husbands if, if they did to them what I did to my wife, like dragging her out all over Western Australia. But uh, she's a, definitely a keeper, a good sport. But, yeah, uh, so... I got lucky in that area. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's a great place. Make it over there. (laughs) (laughs) So does that change your thoughts about uh, what you keep when you come back from a trip like that? I mean, and Uh, as far as like, are you more into say, uh, you know, uh, species rather than say morphs or something like that? Does it, change your perspective yeah I, I i think it does like i you know i still have i still have a few morphs but my excitement for morphs is is waning i think i'm i'm ready for a revolution or a, you know kind of that movement back to the the wild forms you know i, right. I really honestly like don't have any desire to buy up any morphs i i want you know wild type diamonds i don't want stardust i just want normal run the mill good looking diamonds you know they're fantastic. i mean obviously i want them to I want them to look pretty good. You know, I, I think that's kind of a, a tricky thing too, because, you know, we, we do think of, you know, wild jungles as ugly, but this jungle I found in, uh, where was it? In Japoon Vale, I think that area, it was 
it was gorgeous. That would be something I would have kept in my own collection and would have been very happy with it, you know. So I think you can find those individuals that are just beautiful. And I found a coastal down in uh, Brisbane area. Um, I went out herping with Smith, and we found this uh, little carp, car, uh, coastal carp. I mean, it looked like a jungle. It was black and yellow banded. It was beautiful, just a fantastic specimen. I have pictures from that on my website but you I mean you can the pictures didn't turn out didn't turn out very well they're pretty uh blurry and crappy so I was a little disappointed that my pictures didn't turn out better but that snake was just fantastic I mean you can find such variability and beauty in the carpets that you know morphs are a little bit superfluous you know you don't really need morphs to have such with such variety and so many different color and pattern um, combinations that you find in carpets it's just amazing right so you know i'm i'm pretty happy with the the wild types and then a lot of times with the morphs you get kind of those um weak genes you know you hear about the Xanthic yeah. or some of the other projects and you're like well you know do i really want that and you know we've seen that too with with the jaguars i mean we kept jag kept and bred jaguars for a number of years but i just kind of phased out of them it's just you know they're neat but i don't need the wonky you know uh head rolls and things like that i, I, <laughs> I a, a normal normal cool you know normal coastal looks just as good to me i you know kept a few uh red red coastals and i i really like the look of the reds you know they're really nice looking but oh yeah and i think they're just a nat- natural variation you know just something you'd find in the wild so yeah i like that but yeah I, I do think it does change change the outlook a little bit you appreciate the stuff you find in the wild that's why you know with the the green tree pythons i got i wanted something that looked like the green tree the, the green trees I found in Iron Range, you know, so I went with the Marooks or Marokes, however you pronounce it, because they have that white stripe down their back to some extent. Yep. And so I wanted to have something to look like what I saw, you know, out in Australia. So cause those aren't really available. Uh, yeah, I can appreciate so. all those crazy chondros and such, but at the same time, to me, the green snake with the white stripe is just where it's at. That's why I got Marookies yeah. too, yeah. you know, it's just like... Yeah. No, yeah. You guys can have your fun with all that blue <laughs> and might phase and, <laughs> you know, yeah. all that yeah. stuff. Pay your five grand for, you know, a, a, a green snake, snake that has a chance of being blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then it turns out green. It turns yeah. out totally green. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, that's it, cool. It, there's something about seeing them in the wild that just gets you excited about, you know, keeping those wild type varieties and, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to say this real quick, just so everybody knows, as you were telling us all your visits and stuff, I went over to your uh, Facebook page and I shared all the videos and stuff that you were talking about. Um, you can check out uh, that on, it's in the chat. And I also shared it on the uh, NPR Facebook page, but you can also go and see all that cool stuff on Australian addiction reptiles. Uh, Facebook and you have tons of pictures of all your different trips uh, over on your uh, actual website, which is pretty cool. Yeah. 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 
So yeah, I try to try to keep a trip log. I haven't gotten one up for this year. I, I got back and just got busy with work again. But uh, this Zika stuff is kicking my butt. There's just so much to be done. <laughs> and, oh wow, uh, I'm only one man. But yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'll get that up at some point. I've got you know the pictures kind of arranged. I just need to write a little description, and get it up, so I can get all the pictures of the stuff I found this time around. But yeah, cool. I, I kind of I don't know. I like uh, I like the videos because I can go back and watch the videos and and have that recalled to memory you know uh very well where you know that having that feeling of finding those animals you know it's just so if, if if i'm the only one that looks i probably look at them more than anybody else you know just to see those animals again you know ah, i still i still remember that uh panoptes monitor the yellow spot monitor in in Karagini national park um my my wife and i were hiking down this little gorge and it's just the coolest place Karagini is one of my one of coolest places on earth but we were walking and, and it's almost like a sidewalk but it's slicker you know it's a uh, sandstone and or, or something you know the oldest rock in the world something like that out in the pillbar area but it's just this red rock and it's beautiful and this big monitor comes strolling along <laughs> you're like holy crap this is the coolest place ever you can see a giant lizard walking through this beautiful you know uh canyon gorge thing and um, it, it goes underneath this rock and just starts scratching its back. And I'm just, just Whoa. so happy that I'm videoing this, you know, it's the coolest, <laughs> thing. just, just so fun, you know? And, and, uh, so yeah, I'll just go watch those videos again and again to remind myself of how, how amazing that was to see those in the wild. Yeah. Awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, I I know I wanted to get into uh, a little bit of uh, black-headed python talk because there's so the guests are so few uh, to actually uh, talk about their experiences. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, how many years have you yeah. bred them? Two years in a row? No, uh, well, this is my first year keeping them. I picked them up earlier this, uh, you know, in 2016. Um, I was able to secure a pair from Ryan Young. He was nice enough to to get, let, let one of his adult pairs go and they're proven breeders and everything. So I picked them up in, in early 2016 and uh, bred them this year, this season for the first time. So this uh, just a few months ago, I was, uh, you know, she laid some eggs. Um, most of them were slugs and uh, I had two that I thought, Oh, they look like they could go the distance, but she wasn't wrapped around them. That's always a bad sign when a female mm-hmm. python doesn't wrap her eggs, you know, there's probably, not a lot going on, and sure enough, they all died during incubation. So I struck out wow. this year. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what might happen. Like that post that Nick uh, posted the other day with, you know, one snake on good eggs and the other on slugs and kind of asking for thoughts on why, you know, you might see see that uh, in snakes that are housed identically and, and that kind of thing. And I think, you know, those were, were still a little um, – there's still a lot to learn, you know, it's still, and I, I really think that, uh, that we as keepers can, can make a, a scientific contribution in that way, you know, if we're keeping records and, you know, I'm kind of bad at that anyway, so I can't really speak. <laughs> you think a scientist would be better at keeping records in his own <laughs> collection, but I guess I, I do that enough at work. I want to come home and just enjoy my, not snakes. do it. <laughs> I don't know, but, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I, you know, I, I can see that benefit of, you know, uh, that discussion last week on your show was just great talking about the green trees and, you know, some of the things. So I'm 
thinking, you know, why did Sheila Slugs? Was it because I, you know, she changed uh, collections. Now she's in a different uh, Hurt building, and that just freaked her out for, for this season, you know. It's, did I do something wrong? Did I keep her too hot? Did I feed her too much or too little, you know. So it's all these things. And, man, these things are just they're, – they're a little different. You know, I was expecting to be more like Womas, and uh, right. Womas are a lot of fun. But, you know, I've I've kind of gotten used to their mannerisms. But, man, these guys are like giant colubrids. They're like giant king snakes, you know, that black and white banding, you know. But, you know, you touch them. And like a Woma, you, you touch a Woma on a, on the side of their body, and they try to throw – pin you against the side of the cage. Like yep. they try to – they they try to eat you basically. Now the the blackheads seem to be runners. Like if I touch touch the blackhead, they kind of jump and then like start crawling. You know, trying to trying to move away from you. So they're a little more a uh-huh. little bit high strung that way. But they're kind of runners more than biters. And uh, you know, sometimes my female will kind of kind of get a little defensive and and kind of hiss at me or something huff and puff but you know they've never tried to really strike or bite me um anything like that which is probably a good thing because if they're anything like walmas man those guys are bulldogs they'll just grab on and they do not (laughs) they do not let go yeah Uh yeah they they grab and and hold on they're just little yeah just little bulldogs so um, but yeah, the, the blackheads seem to be more like runners, but, and they, and they're just, they just have kind of a more high metabolism. Like I, I thought I might be overfeeding them a little bit, but they're just so thin, you know, the male always seems thin, like I'm not feeding him at all. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And they, uh, yeah, they just have a little bit of a higher metabolism than the walmas. It seems my walmas will, you know, kind of plump out and be a little fat, but I think, you know, that kind of, um, movement nature and things like that maybe keep them a little thinner um, you know on the topic of, of diet and, and varying diet and things like that I think you know blackheads are an interesting case because in the wild they're primarily you know they primarily eat reptiles and so you know we bring mm-hmm. them into captivity and feed them a you know mammal diet lab rodent diet and I mean people have had success that way you know and people breed them pretty regularly to some extent, some of these guys, and, you know, maybe uh, feeding a more lean diet um, would be, be a better thing or something that's more uh, similar to, to reptiles. And I kind of, you know, like that discussion about the, the reptilinks, if you could get some that were, you know, made out of iguana, feral iguana or something like that might be something that would be really valuable for the black-headed python keepers or keepers of, you know, like king cobras or something that just eat snakes, you know, those kind of things that, um, that require kind of a lizard diet. I'd love to keep like a Burton's um, legless lizard, but they need, you know, they eat lizards in the wild or geckos in the wild. So, you know, they they usually don't do well, first off, because they're wild collected out of Indonesia. They probably have, you know, parasites and things out of New Guinea, but they're, uh, they usually don't last long in captivity. But I wonder if you could get something like that. You usually have to feed them geckos or anoles, and most reptile right. keepers don't want to feed reptiles to their reptiles because it kind of goes against their nature. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a, an interesting thing to, to consider. Um yeah, I I thought about that too with the you know the discussion on green trees and, and I'm talking about the the frog links and you know hearing about that and I you know reading about green tree pythons I, I haven't ever found any accounts of them eating frogs 
And it was mm. really surprising because when I was in, you know, when I was in the Iron Range, there were frogs wow. all over the place. They, you know, that was the most plentiful thing we saw out there were these white tree frogs or the white-lipped um, tree frogs. They're huge. I mean, they're the size of your hand, big, you know, white lips, really cool looking. But, uh, you know, several other species of frog we saw out there. But, um, you know, in all my reading of the green tree literature, I've never come across any accounts of them eating frogs and so there was a little bit of discussion on that so maybe i need to you know ask carlin or some of the other guys that were on the show you know where when they were talking about eating frogs where they were getting that information because i'm not aware of any published reports about frogs so maybe if they hear this they can send some info my way but um, yeah i'm interested in that uh, topic (laughs) yeah it's uh the main thing you see out there, you'd figure that would be their prey species. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but what, you, it would it would be something to yeah to think. And they, I've heard from other yeah. Oh, go I ahead. was going to say, aren't they higher up? Um, they're not right on the ground when they're that small, right? The the green trees or the frogs? Yeah, the no, no, trees? no, green trees. No, they they uh, they actually the younger ones stay closer to the ground than the older ones. And oh, all okay. of them come down, come down to the forest floor at night to hunt for either lizards. In the case of the young ones, they'll they'll eat uh, skinks and and small lizards all day long. But um, yeah, I don't know that they necessarily go after frogs. Not you know, just kind of an anecdotal account. My uh, friend, local friend, uh, was keeping some green trees and and he had some babies that he was wanted to get feeding and he was a he was an old dart frog breeder so he had all these dart frogs and and uh this one wasn't eating he's like i really want this thing to eat you know i'm wondering what and i'm like and he's like what i wonder if they'd eat a frog and i'm like well they're not really known to eat frogs as far as i know but you you could give it a try so he put in you know some of the frog that he had in with this thing and and there was no like no recognition of prey you know it's just like it just huh. cruised around and maybe it was because it was young and it didn't really want to eat or it was kind of one of those, you know, those hatchlings that you get that just don't have any will to live or right. <laughs> will to eat, but, right. you know, but I, you know, I, I would be curious to see if, if he would have thrown in a gecko, if, if, you know, he, or an anole or something, if he would have had the same response, because I've heard it like with uh, pygmy pythons, I was talking to Casey, Casey Lazic and he was saying, you know, he'd, he, uh, when he was first breeding pygmy pythons back when they were like five grand a piece, you know, and they were, uh, very expensive. He's like, you know, his first clutch, he wanted to get these things eating rodents, you know, because that's what people were going to feed them. And he didn't, he knew they were going to want to eat lizards. That's what they're naturally programmed to do. But he said a few of them ate the, the pinkies and, you know, others, he was thinking, well, should I assist feed or what should I do? And he's thinking, well, it's a five grand snake. I might as well throw in a, a lizard just to see what would happen. And he said he had a friend that was breeding some leopard geckos and he had kind of a weak hatchling that wasn't thriving. And he, so he's like, here, you feed this to your snake or something. So he, he said he, he dropped it in the cage and before the thing even hit the ground, that pygmy python was all over it, you know, and it mm-hmm. was, it was a fairly good sized lizard compared to the snake, but he, he said it, it ate it and had no problems. And from then on out was, you know, just, you know, just aggressively took that lizard. Whereas before you'd put a pink mouse in there and it wouldn't even, you know, give it a, give it the time of day. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, there is some, 
some sense of, you know, they, they recognize what prey they're supposed to take. So I wonder, you know, if he would have tried a frog and then if, if he would have tried a lizard after that to see if there was, you know, prey recognition at all. And granted it was a, you know, a, a South American frog versus a an Australian <laughs> right. frog. But, a South but, American frog with, with, bright coloration to warn you that it's poisonous. So, I mean, there could be some (laughs) other things going on here too, but um, it kind of reminds me when I had my Dominican red mountain boa uh, litter, they all started Mm -hmm. on day geckos, except for like a choice two or three that took pinkies right off the bat. But they all had to eat two or three live house gecko where like, uh, and they would even rip the tails off and eat the tail and then eat the gecko a few days later. So, um, Hmm. it's like they would, and eventually they shifted over from the geckos to the scented rodents to just straight up rodents. So it was that whole transition Mm -hmm. process, which is annoying as hell, but yeah, um, yeah, it's a pain in the neck. Yeah, it is. but you know, um, I, I had some, I bred some uh, milk snakes back in the day and, and, uh, they, you know, they want lizards as well. And so I, I was friends with this person who owned a pet shop and they had a, one of those long-tailed grass lizards that mm. had had died, and they and I said, "Can I have the tail?" You know, and so they gave me this tail, and I would break off a little piece of the tail and put it in the mouth of a pinky. Yeah. And these things would go and smell along, and they'd smell the lizard smell with just a little tiny tail, you know, piece of the tail, and then they'd eat the whole pinky. So you oh. could kind of trick them, you know, having one end uh, smell like a a lizard, but. And that worked pretty well for a lot of these. So, you know, there's probably other ways, you know, and I think uh, Harlan was talking about, um, you know, the getting that lizard scent over your, over your pinkies or something and getting things to take them. But I guess that doesn't necessarily take into account the nutritional value or the differences in nutrition that you're getting from, right. a, you know, reptilian diet versus a mammalian diet. But I don't know. I, you know, I, I thought too, you know, when they were talking about, um, gut loading a, a rodent or something like that. And I was thinking, you know, if you're if you're uh, eating cheeseburgers your whole life and you're, you're this kind of uh, sedentary fat guy, and and all of a sudden somebody gives you a you know a healthy dinner and then they kill you and feed you to something, are you going to be that much more healthy for that person? <laughs> you know, for what, whatever's eating you, you know? I don't know. I guess it, in, unless you're feeding it consistently a good diet. I don't know what gut loading, you know, other than having a few nutrients in the belly. But a lot of times I kind of look, I'm kind of on the fence there. Is it, you know, just energy in, energy out? Is it the muscle and the, and the hair and the, and the bones that are important? Or is it what's in the belly that's important? Or does it even play a role? And it got me thinking too. I went out and looked at some of the turds from my green tree pythons and i and i did find one that had a few teeth in it you know and but the other ones that i looked at didn't really have that so you know i'm trying to i'm trying to piece that together is that a normal thing like they were asking on the show but i don't know there's a i think there's a lot more questions than answers in that regard and a lot of anecdotal information that may or may not have any bearing on reality you know right we do really need some kind of those controlled and but you know the more observations that people make the more we can uh make this officer uh, one thing i i thought really would have been valuable to talk about was was temperature you know how hot mm-hmm. are we keeping these things especially with green tree pythons because you know we think about the rainforest and it's hot and muggy and humid and you know you go in there and you sweat to death but 
man, in my experience, finding these green tree pythons out there in the Iron Range, it was kind of chilly at night. It was, you know, even during the day under the canopy, it's a pretty consistent 70 degrees, you know. So I think our conceptions about their tropical rainforest are a little off. And I think, you know, keeping a snake cooler, you know, 70 degrees probably seems um, counterintuitive when you're keeping green tree pythons. No, you know, you need to keep them at 90 degrees because they're rainforest dwellers. But, you know, if you look at the temperatures in these areas, it's pretty, you know, the nighttime lows because that's when they're active. And I think this is something I learned from Terry Phillip. Um, you know, that's when they're out and about is at night and it's 70 degrees um, pretty much year round at night in their habitat. So, yeah, once in a while they might go bask and get up to 90 and might, might get a little UV light. But for the most part, they're hidden during the day. They're not really sitting out in the sun, so they're not getting a lot of UV. You know, I wonder how, how important those things are. Is it, is it just that we're keeping them too hot? You know, their teeth are falling out because their metabolism's jacked up because we're keeping them too hot, like a, like diamond python syndrome, you know. We thought right. diamond python syndrome was some communicable disease or some, you know, weird thing, but we found out, oh, it's just because we're keeping them too hot. You know, we're mm-hmm. accelerating their metabolism. Are we doing the same thing with green trees? And so we're winding up with a bunch of teeth in the feces because they're too hot. I don't know. Something to, I think, but I think temperature and reptiles, yeah, is is a really critical thing to to consider. And I I was reading a paper, you know, I was trying to find some information on on color change. You know, I'm really kind of fascinated by these green tree pythons turning blue or things like that. And I read a paper and it was about fence lizards, you know, and fence lizards are diurnally active and they have those big blue patches on their bellies. Well, they did a study where they, uh, got some from, uh, you know, the same area, but they kept them at different temperatures. And the ones that were kept cooler had more of a green coloration or, you know, the blue wasn't as intense. It was more greenish colored. Uh, And then the ones that were hotter were blue, bright blue, you know. So, you know, there, there is maybe a precedent for temperature influencing color and, uh, and, you know, color uh, in, in reptiles. So, you know, temperature, probably might be something we look at as well rather than uh the uv spectrum in the light maybe it's the heat from the light that's doing that uh having that effect on the color i don't know but something to something to think about i i love talking to harlan he's like he's one of the funnest people to talk about because he just you know just goes i i remember the first time i called him we were probably on the phone for six hours i look at the clock it's like (laughs) three two or three in the morning i'm like oh man i gotta work tomorrow you know i better go but it was just just so fun to talk to the guy because he's just so you know just so excited and knowledgeable and you know just great guy so yeah that was a fun fun discussion to listen to yeah yeah those guys did a great job you know that that i'm with you justin i'm so glad you said it like you know i think i said at the beginning of the show but just the idea that you know, we're so focused on making some kind of combo, but I just feel like we sort of stop pushing herpticulture forward and like really trying to figure out what's going on with these snakes or reptiles in general, yeah. but you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, you know, you, 
we, we, and we get into kind of this monoculture where, you know, you go to the reptile shows and it's line upon line of ball pythons and, or boas, you know, and that's like mm-hmm. all there is. And you're like, where's the diversity? I want to go to a reptile show and see stuff I've never seen before, stuff that's cool and, you know, colorful or rare, or, you know, whatever, but not just the same thing over and over. And it seems like the more genes you put into a snake, the more they start looking almost the exact same as the other snake with a few yeah, genes, right. you know? And so, yeah, the diversity actually decreases the more you genetically manipulate things, it seems. And people get really excited when they get a, you know, a different morph that's maybe more crazy looking, but I don't know, like then they put in a few more genes and then it just ends up looking the same anyway. And uh, I, I just love, you know, going to reptile shows with my inlands and they say, Ooh, is that an azanthic? No, this is how they look. This is what they look like. <laughs> this is, this is that a is the normal. average run of the mill. And, and it looks better than any azanthic uh, ball python you're ever going to see, or, you know, azanthic carpet you're going to see. The inlands just blow them out of the water because they've got that cool blue coloration to them too, you know? Um, so yeah, man, yeah, they're the, the way it goes. They don't get no love cause there's no morphs. <laughs> at least not in the states you know <laughs> exactly and, and and that's a tragedy in my mind because they're one of the funnest snakes i work with i mean what other carpet just lets you reach in and pull them out of the cage and you know, oh, throw man. them around your neck not they're even awesome. a blink i mean those things are so cool they're just so yeah. easy going you know so and you know i just had a, had my female i was uh uh, the other day I went in the herp room and she's sitting on eggs. I'm like, Oh, nice. You know, I got some <laughs> inland nice. eggs. <laughs> yeah. And there was like 22 of them, you know, so I'm going to be wow. going with inlands here pretty soon, but yeah, now, some more of the mild inlands. Do you approach them like you do your regular carpets, like coastals and jungles, or do you do more of a, uh, diamond brettle type approach when it comes to breeding? Um, I, I think they're pretty tolerant of a lot of different things. I think that's another thing that just makes them such cool animals and just ideal as, as pet carpets because they're, they, they can tolerate a wide range of, of conditions. And, and I do, I do keep a little bit uh, on the cooler side, but you know, they, they come from an area where it gets really hot in the summer and really cool in the winter. So they can handle mm-hmm. both, both extremes, but I do, I do have them in kind of the lower cages in the room so they tend to get a little cooler um, in the in the winter time, and I mean Utah gets really just bitterly cold, especially up here in northern Utah where I'm at. I'm about 15 minutes from the border of Idaho, and the winters here are just brutal. <laughs> but uh, it <laughs> sure makes it easy to cycle my carpets and cycle my reptiles, you know, because it doesn't take any effort to get it cold in there. <laughs> so just right open, the, open the door for yeah. a couple minutes, you know. Yeah. Jesus. So, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I do tend to tend to keep them a little cooler and all, but I mean they they laid eggs what in in April what month is it April, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so you know that's that's not too late after I got a clutch of jungles the other uh, maybe a couple weeks earlier but they you know they're all kind of breeding around the same time so I don't know you know huh. I think it depends on how you're keeping them or you know when you're cycling or when you're moving stuff around and I like to keep my pairs together. So they're, they're around each other year round. So they know when they're going to, you know, they're cued into the cycles pretty, pretty easily that way. So, right. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how we got so far afield from, from blackheads. We were talking about blackheaded pythons. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's what we want. 
Good. Yeah, that's the way it goes on Morelia Python's radio, right? Exactly. So <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we continue drifting? And uh, how are you, how's your uh, olive python projects going on? Not not so great as far as breeding. They're they're a blast to keep, but I haven't had much luck uh, breeding the poor things. I I think part of it was was uh, the pair I got originally. You know, I I picked yeah. up a lone female. It was a guy at a reptile show. He's like. Hey, trade me, you know, trade me that uh, jungle carpet for this female olive, and and she was impressive, like ten feet long, you know, just this huge sucker. And he'd been feeding her very well, so she was way overweight. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't kept an olive python. That's a cool Australian species. Let's go for it. You know, and seeing them in person is kind of really they they they're a lot cooler in person than they are in pictures, and so. You know, I said, yeah, that sounds like a good deal to me. And so I've been, I've had her ever since and she's doing, you know, doing, doing great. She, I'll, she's my, um, when I go to my kids' classes to show them the reptiles, she's kind of the finale. You know, you pull out this 10 foot olive python and all the kids do it on, you let them each (laughs) hold a different section of of the body or something. And, uh, you know, they, they get excited about that, but um, but you know, I put her with, I, I bought a male from Nick and so I had a, had a male for her and I, I put them together and man, he, he just did not want to be in there. It was almost like it was a male, but she, she never showed any aggression, but man, you'd put him in there and he, that male would just fly around the cage and just giddish and flighty and strike at the cage, you know, like, damn, this guy's going to smash his face up, you know? So I, I'd cover the glass so he couldn't see me, but man, he was just on edge whenever I put him in with that girl. So, and, uh, I, I just haven't had any, any luck getting anything out of him. Uh, I have a local friend, uh, Zach Beloy that's let me, uh, we, he kind of put his all pythons with me on breeding loan and I've had them for a couple of years now and I've put them together every year and, you know, they're together now, but I just haven't had any luck breeding them. So not sure what I'm doing wrong, but it's probably just a matter of um, too many snakes and too little time. I'm just not uh, keeping on top of them like I should, but yeah. so for me, nothing too exciting boat. goes right now. Yeah. I, I think mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, you, there's, there's some species that, you know, you just get and they do great and you breed them and there's others that just kind of fail and you don't do very well with them. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times we like to tout, you know, what we're good at and kind of let the other stuff kind of slide under the radar. But yeah, I, I haven't had any luck at all breeding those things. And maybe the, the cages I'm keeping them in are too small. I need bigger cages or, you know, need to keep them thinner. Maybe I feed them too much. I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I check. I I'll have to do more research. I think Zach's probably going to take his pair back, and which is probably good because you know we'll see how he does with them. And and I, they've changed hands a few times. I think a few people have kept these, so I don't know, if, you know, if that has something to do with it. You know, when something moves around from collection to collection, sometimes that can you know have a negative effect on their breeding success. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. I guess the, I, you know, my opinion, the best way to start out any project is buying babies. And so I started this project mm-hmm. out exactly the wrong way, you know, getting a big fat <laughs> adult female that had never bred for the guy that had them and the, 
the male that he had died. And so I'm thinking, well, that was probably the worst way to start. I should have just got a pair from Nick in the beginning, but Nick wasn't going to trade me a jungle carpet for a female. <laughs> no, <it> wasn't, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes those deals that are, you know, too, you know, they're, they're uh, too good to be true that, you know, there's a reason for that. <laughs> and, you know, they usually are. Uh, yep. There was a, there was a local ad here on the, on one of the classified sections for, you know, Utah classifieds or something. And, and there was a, some pygmy marmosets, you know, for, <laughs> for, uh, for, they were going to adopt them out. You know, you just right. had to pay the adoption fee, you know, and I'm thinking, and, I, and my wife's like, Hey, look at this. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. You know? So I emailed the person. I'm like, what's the deal? They're, they're illegal in Utah. You know, how, how are you saying you can keep these? And they're like, Oh no, we, you just send the adoption fee and we'll, you know, we'll get all the paperwork taken care of. I'm like, you didn't answer my question. You know, they're illegal. Yeah, that how was, do you get around yeah, that, yeah. you know? And uh, so, you know, it's, it's totally, totally a scam. You know, nobody's giving away free pygmy marmosets. They just want you to pay the fee and then they disappear. But yeah, I guess. That or, people... you know, Utah Fish and Game shows up at the drop site and, <laughs> yeah, and there exactly. you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, those deals that are too good to be true. There's usually a reason for that, but I don't know. So yeah, we're, I'm probably, uh, I, I'm enjoying them as pets right now. <laughs> they're a lot of fun to, to keep and show the kids and they, they're, uh, they're powerful animals, but they're pretty good natured. Like at least you yeah. know, the ones that I've been involved with in captivity, they don't really try to bite, you know, they're, they might be a little, uh, um, defensive in the cage but once you pull them out they're they're puppy dogs you know i've never had one try to bite or anything so yeah they're really fun to keep i really enjoy keeping them and another one you know i saw in the wild thought oh, i needed some of those in my life <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> nice. you know, yeah I, I actually think i picked those up before i saw them in the wild but <laughs> you know the way it's it goes. all right works out that way yeah. i mean I, yeah. I haven't seen any of the stuff i own in the wild so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The, uh, oh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, the, the, the olives, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but like, I, I really enjoy the olives, but the, the water pythons have never done anything for me. You know, even, ah, even water. I've, I've, I, you know, I've seen those in the wild and I, and I've had several, you know, Ryan's trying to get me to take a pair here and there. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. Like the olives, I love them, but the waters, they just don't do a lot for me. I don't, I don't know why. It's just one of those things, I guess. Waters yeah. are evil. Like waters are psychotic. <laughs> either, either it's the nicest snake in your collection or it is like jumping out of the <laughs> bin, mouth wide open, doesn't connect with any bites, but just flails around like a jerk. But, you know, that, <laughs> well, I have... I was up Go at uh, Reptile Gardens hanging out with uh, Terry Phillip and, and he had some waters, and he pulled them out, and one latched onto him, and he's bleeding all over the place. I mean, yeah, they, they can uh, take a piece out of you if they uh, feel like it. But, and like but the, ones not the, in, the ones we found in Australia were were calm, picked them up. I we were we were all laughing because we were we were hoping that Nick was going to get bit by one. I think. Um, Peter kept swinging the head towards Nick, trying to get him to <laughs> strike at Nick and bite him. <laughs> so that was pretty entertaining. But they never tried to bite. It was pretty cool. Uh, even this giant female, I got to chase her around and follow her around the leaf litter, you know, taking pictures and video and stuff. And she was just calm as could be, just making her way through. Not, didn't even pay me any attention at all. 
So it was huh. it was cool to. Yeah, I don't know, you know, but maybe uh, they're just uh, easy going. You know, you live in Australia, things are good. You know, why things are happy and chill. <laughs> worked know, up, I've, right? <laughs> exactly. I have white lips that are better behaved than some of my water pythons. So you know, it's yeah. it's six to one. But I'm gonna attempt <laughs> to breed them for the first time next year. So uh-huh. I'm like, uh, let's see how it goes. So I don't know. I, if yeah. I get waters before I get olives, I'm going to be a little pissed off at myself. So, but also <laughs> excited that I got waters. So it went enough. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to tick another species off the list. Right. No, it's always cool. I have, uh, I just have a female that I got from Ryan and I was, I was on the fence on whether I would like them or not, but I'm actually think they're pretty cool. Water or olive? Waters. Well, olives too, but you know, water pythons, you know, I thought like, eh, what can be so cool about this? It's just a brown snake with a orange (laughs) belly. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I I put an R, I I bought a water python at a show or I, I picked it up at a show. And I didn't have any place to put it. So I threw it in my acrylic displays and I did the rest of the show. Everybody at that show is, what is that? And I'm like, it's a water python. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's not a morph. Go away. Like, you know, that was, it just was something different. And I mean, they have a really cool orange belly, but it's pretty much all they got going for them. So, Mm -hmm. but I like them. Even though they're psycho. Yeah, I'll 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 break down and get some someday. I'm sure. I just need to find the right time. But, you know, it's you just really have that list of the, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's stuff there. you really want. You know, like diamonds are high on my list. You know, the other things are. But yeah, water pythons are on there. Just kind of lower down. I I'd like to keep them and breed them someday. But yeah, right. This day is not that day. Yeah, <laughs> and the problem is that some species jump the list. You're like. Man, diamonds are on my list eventually, and then you see that one in Australia, and you're like, diamonds have to happen soon, so they yep, jump yep, up on the exactly. list and knock everybody else down. So <laughs> yeah, I got it's you. Not, it's not a, it's not a firm and fast list. You know, you can no, kind of adjust no, things no, as, as they become available. If a, yeah. if a south, southwestern carpet uh, becomes available, yeah, <laughs> that's going to jump up on the list. I think. Yeah. You and Eric, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, oh, that's another thing. You know, you, uh, the the that first one I saw. Oh my gosh, that was just such a cool experience. You know, I another thing that my wife did to be really nice to me. But we were driving back and we saw all those road killed specimens, and I'm thinking this is a good area for them. And I'm like, please, honey, let us stay until sundown. Give me a half hour after dark. And sure <laughs> enough, there there it was. You know. That thing was gorgeous, just that yellow color. Oh my gosh, so cool! <clears throat> Absolutely. Yep. So, what's yeah. your? Uh, we're uh, we're in overtime now, but um, so we got about another fifteen minutes or so. But what? Oh wow. What is your most? What's your most excited? Uh, exciting pairing? pairing yeah, what you guys got cooking on over there? Well, that's hard to say. I, you know, I've I've had kind of some. Uh, lean years lately i haven't been really focused on the breeding as much and just kind of let things uh go a little bit and i think you know that black-headed python pairing was that was my big pairing this year and what i was really excited for so i was really sad when that didn't turn out very well yeah you know it's always nice to get any eggs so i'm happy for anything and you know i'm hoping for a 
couple clutches of uh or a couple litters of skinks the blue tongue skinks are a lot of fun i've been having a lot of fun with those things and they're just so so such cool lizards um another one that i kind of underappreciated until i worked with them extensively and they're they're a lot of fun but um yeah, I was really, really uh, hoping for good results on that black-headed pairing. So, I guess there's always next year. We'll see right. see if I can do better next time. But that was the, the big one this year. With the blue tongue skinks, what are you working with? What? Um, I what, just what had type? northerns. I'd, I'd, okay. I'd love to get some some others aside from the northerns, but the you know the sin. Uh, Centralians or Westerns are probably the top of my list, but they're just never available. And when they are, they're like 12 grand a pair, you know, just hard to justify that much money in, <laughs> into a pair of lizards. But um, one of these yeah. days I'm going to pick up some Westerns. I hear Westerns are fairly similar to keep as compared with Northerns. And so I thought, you know, I'll breed some Northerns. Uh, my uh, Steve Sharp, my buddy, he, he was getting rid of his Northerns. And so, he was he you know sent them over to me and they've I've really enjoyed those here and they're really just nice to look at so uh, yeah they're gorgeous fun, fun to oh work with God. yeah 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 contrast and all jeez yeah oh yeah yeah they're fun and uh, so I I would like to get eventually get some westerns that would be another one that's pretty high on my list if they'd be a little just a little bit more affordable <laughs> but we'll see <laughs> see how that goes. Uh, yeah, but other than that, you know, it's just kind of I've got a I've got some uh, some cool uh, uh, Stimson's pythons that I got eggs from this year. One was a um, a, a male I sold to David Hastings, and uh, it after you know he got it after he, he was raising it up, and it just started to get more black and more black and darker and darker, and it was like kind of almost a you know, you can still see the pattern to some extent, but it's uh-huh. a black Stinson's python. Nice. And so he's like, what's going on with this thing? You know, it's turning black. Do you have any others that are turning black? I'm like, no, that's that's weird. So, you know, thinking maybe it's a spontaneous mutation. Well, um, you know, I've, I've got some of its uh, relatives. So I thought, well, you know, if you ever get rid of them, let me know. And sure enough, he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to sell the pair and some of their offspring. And, and I ended up... Uh, getting the the male the original male out of him so i've got this black male and he sired a clutch of uh eggs this year so you know i've always kind of liked the black you know that black uh, mm-hmm. look is kind of cool especially in the yeah. answer it almost kind of has a purple uh glow to it it's really unique peter birch had a this black spotted python that was just phenomenal looking it was really just like it just messed uh. with your eyes because it it was like this purple sheen, you know, and you'd move it in the light and it would glow purple. It was really cool. So that's, uh, that's all, you know, I'm kind of kicking that around. We'll see. Uh, you know, it's, I guess it is a morph project uh, to, <laughs> to some extent, but, you know, something interesting, something unique, I guess, that just kind of popped up and is fun huh. to play with. So I'm not sure what the babies are going to look like, if they're going to be dark, and I probably have to keep them all for a uh, least, uh, <laughs> uh, several months to see what they do, but you know I usually keep my antresia well anyway. They take a little bit of time to get feeding, and then you know once once I get them feeding, I want to enjoy them. You know I don't want to have mm-hmm. all that stress of getting them feeding and just ship them out the door. So I tend to hold on to a lot of my antresia. I've, I've got way too many uh, Simpsons pythons and pygmies and all that kind of stuff sitting around. I probably need to 
let them move on to new homes. But what do you do? They're just so fun to play with. And they don't take up any room, so it doesn't take <laughs> off my back, you know. Once yeah. they're eating, they're they're just easy and fun. So, yeah. I uh, uh, it was I guess last year I um, I pulled the trigger finally on getting some uh, more anteresia. Um, uh huh. And uh, man, they're really cool snakes. I mean, I, right? you know, I got a yeah. really nice pair of Simpsons and a really nice pair of uh, Cape York uh, stripes. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, man, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool snakes. They're cool, right? Yeah, they're yeah. a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I can't Pig get enough of next. them. And, <laughs> no, yeah, pygmies are pygmies are a lot of fun. I mean, the babies are kind of a pain. That's why I'm hoping some of this uh, lizard scenting stuff, you know, makes its way through into the commercial market. That would be nice. But yeah, they're they're a blast. Once they're eating, like they are so easy. Like they're the yeah. easiest yeah. interesia <laughs> to breed and keep, and just getting them feeding. That's the only challenge. And yeah. Um, yeah, cool stuff. they're fun. Yeah. What about, uh, my last question, and this is, uh, for me personally, but I'm just curious if you're uh-huh. breeding any Womas this year. Um, I, I thought I was, <laughs> I thought they were oh. moving in the right direction and, and, uh, and they still may, I guess I, I, I haven't really checked that close, but my female's eating, uh, pretty regularly now, so I, I wonder okay. if she resorbed or something went wrong there, and maybe that's what uh, you know happened with the blackheads too. But so I had two females that I bred this year, so I was thinking, oh man, maybe I'll get two clutches, and I counted my eggs before they were even laid, and now I have none. So <laughs> we'll see if they end up laying something. But so that's a that's another thing that's kind of been you know you uh, talking about woma eggs and. And incubation, I, I've had some pretty crappy luck with those. It seems like I can only manage to hatch out hatch half the clutch. You know, the first first year I got, I mean, first year in recent times, uh, I got uh, some eggs from Womas, and I was really excited. And they were nearing hatching, and I was, you know, they weren't hatching, and I was getting impatient. And so I'm thinking, ah, oh, you know, I'll just treat them like a ball python and slit the egg and take a peek inside and see what they look like, you know. And, uh so I said, oh, well, maybe I'll just slit half the eggs just to see if they're alive and kicking and doing well. And I was just thinking, why haven't they hatched it? You know, you get that anticipation and right. and uh, impatience to get them out. And so I cut half the eggs in the clutch. And the other eggs that I didn't slit um, climbed out, you know, slit their eggs and climbed out fine. But the ones that I slit all died. <laughs> full term in the egg i'm like what oh. the crap you know oh. i didn't think that was gonna happen you know that was kind of a surprise so if you've got walnut eggs don't cut them early you know <laughs> it's one thing if the others start to hatch and you cut the ones that haven't slit yet but yeah don't don't open those walnut eggs early for some reason that didn't work out so well for me um the next year i i thought well maybe i'll try different uh levels of moisture and you know try to get a a good hatch rate to try to work that out a little better. And so I did, you know, one that was a little drier and one that was a little wetter. And it seems like the ones that were, I, I think I got them too dry. And so they started denting in early and I was thinking, man, I'm going to screw these up. So I added water and then that messed them up and kind of cut <laughs> those off. So I ended up getting, you know, another half a clutch. Uh, the ones that I just set up normally, like I would any other egg, uh, hatched out. So, you know, I, I, I think when you think about things too much, that tends to screw things up. And I think that's been my problem, but, you know, usually I'll, 
I, for for that reason, I've been winding up with half a clutch for the last three or four years now. So I got to stop playing with them, stop dinking around with them, and just let them uh, hatch on their own and uh, incubate normally. But so you know, a little on the drier side, maybe instead of a one to one, you know, incubation medium with water. And I, I usually incubate all my eggs on a mixture of perlite and vermiculite. Okay. It seems to have done well, you know, for the most part, for uh, good eggs at least, of, you know, several different genera, you know, the Anteresia, Aspidites, and the Morelia. Um, but the, uh, I, you know, I, maybe I could be doing something different. But when you get, when you have so many different species and, and um, genera, and, you know, it's hard to have a, an incubator where you try different things with the incubator. Right. You know, it's like I, I set it 88 and it's good to go. And that's, I don't touch that, but you know, the, the, maybe the water ratio I'll play with a little bit, but not a lot. So gotcha. I would say don't, don't stress over them too much and just incubate them like you incubate any other egg, you know, that hatches out and they usually do fine. Yeah. Your, your Walmas that you have, man, are just unbelievably beautiful. Uh, they're just incredible. Yeah. That's you another know? snake I just love to go look at. Yeah, they're so and they they've maintained their contrast. A lot of the other womas that I've kept in the past have kind of faded and gotten kind of, you know, just kind of muddy and and mm-hmm. blah looking, you know. And a lot of them you see, but these are just high contrast, high orange, you know, beautiful things. So awesome. Yeah, they're fun. Cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, and you got anything else you want to? Um, uh, the one question I would have is, is it absolute torture to go over to Peter Birch's house, see his collection of all the morphs of Antheresia that we can't have, and then come home? <laughs> I, he's he's done some really cool stuff, man. That, yeah. It is hard. It is hard to go to his house. And now – I mean, he's got Parentes, he's got Bell's Phase Lacey, he's got, you know, all these, like, Brevicauda, the pygmy, uh, those little uh, um, short tail monitors that are just oh, cool yeah. as heck. And yeah. He's got, uh, he's got some monitor, li- you know, the Kimberly Rocks and just different monitor lizards, the uh, Gillens, and uh, I just, I, I love going to his, his place. And then his backyard, you know, you can walk out back and find a diamond python and find, <laughs> you know, uh, this, well, you know, different different types of uh, reptile and birds and, you know, all sorts of cool stuff. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to, to leave Peter's place. But, yeah, his, his uh, I think one of my favorite projects that he's done is just selectively breeding these uh, locality Stimpsons from, um, let's see, he calls them Tibaburas. So I think there's a town or something called Tibabura. Something yeah. like that. It's kind of a weird. You know, all those town names are a lot of fun in Australia. You know, they're all just bizarre names. <laughs> but at least, at least bizarre to us. I guess it's normal. Then. Right. Like Tibabura, and he's he's uh, um, just uh, selectively bred those, and just has come out with just some outrageous colors and pat. Like their patterns are reduced, and their colors are just bright orange and yellows. I think he. What's he? What does he call them? Like the sun glow or some, some, some kind of sun or, um, what's it, what's the name he uses. But anyway, those are really cool. And, um, I was most excited, you know, about his, uh, pygmy banded pythons. He's got some really nice looking pygmy banded pythons and just, you know, to be around those kind of a new 
new species or a new type that you're not really familiar with as much is cool right. to check him out. And all his localities, all his western Stimpsons, and you know he's got all these different localities of westerns, and you know his cool children's python. Some of the morphs he's got are really fun to like. That black uh, you know, spotted. I don't even know whatever happened with that, but it was it sure was cool to look at. But yeah, he's he's got a phenomenal collection just and he's and he's so you know easy going he's you know he's not worried about making money off of them as much and so it's just pretty relaxed about things you know not really morph crazy necessarily you know he appreciates the morphs and but he's he's just as excited about his his uh, stint, uh, spotted python that, he, that was the first snake he had, you know, as, as he is about the latest morph. You know, he cares about the animals rather than about the market or the money that the animals can bring in, and that's right. just so refreshing. And today, Justin, you know, we're obviously. about to get we're about to get cut off like now, ish. So <laughs> <All right. laughs> thanks for coming on. Um, it's like any second it's gonna go. But uh, All right. if you want to re- real quick throw anything like a uh, website out there real quick uh, great as always guys uh, australian addiction australian addiction.com um my website uh yep just the same old channels i guess facebook all that good stuff so great cool. talking with cool. you guys thanks so yes. much for having me on it was, it's always a pleasure so you guys Absolutely. are great thanks, keep man. up the good work appreciate right. it Justin, we'll catch you yeah, later no all right worries. all right we'll see you guys Bye. All right. Cool. Cool. We're still All right. Along. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll probably get cut off any second. So, right. uh, go ahead, Owen. You give your uh, – everybody knows our normal gig, but I know right, – yeah. I think normal you spiel, this weekend, so. Normal spiel, Hamburg Reptile Show at Hamburg, Pennsylvania. I will be there as well as other carpet breeders. Come out, see what's going on, and then I will probably be attending the White Plain Show, which is the day after – we have the Carpet Fest. We have Southern Carpet Fest, which is coming up very soon. And, of course, the Northeast Carpet Fest, which is coming June 3rd. Come to all the Carpet Fests if you can. If you can't, go to the one closest to you. So we'll see you once again Saturday. Hamburg, that's all I got. That's all we got. We're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Brilliant Python Radio. Good night. And, God, I got it in. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.